Hey everybody, welcome to The Collective Podcast. My name is Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 68 with the talented John Sweeney. John works at a company called Naughty Dog. They're most famously known for their game called The Last of Us. Um, we talk about his work environment, uh, how, how he gets inspired, what he gets inspired by, his influences. We talk about books, our common loves, and things that really get us going. It's a really great conversation. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Our current sponsorship right now is a company called Squarespace. It's a really great service to create a professional looking website, have a professional voice on the internet. You can create a great portfolio. Um, they, you can also create an online store. It's a really awesome service. I've turned a ton of my friends onto it, working professionals all the way to beginning artists. Uh, they even have like a 24 hour percent or 24 hour support system for it as well, which is awesome. Um, if you're interested in trying it out, I would highly recommend it. Not only do they support the podcast, but they make a great service. You can try it out as a free trial and uh, 10% off if you use the code TCP, as in the Collective Podcast. I would definitely check it out. And uh, yeah, thanks to Squarespace. Thanks to John Sweeney. This is going to be a great episode. 68, here we go. I guess I find it interesting that people are upset at Gumroad, given that in the past all art education, you know, different uh, different schools and studios have put out videos or DVDs, and it's like they're you know sixty, eighty, a hundred bucks a pop. Yeah. Art school itself is like thirty thousand dollars a year. Um, plus, that's not even counting, you know, materials, expenses, living expenses if you're from out of state, all this kind of stuff, and no one's really seemed to complain about that but then all of a sudden someone puts out you know a really affordable video uh you know showing their techniques and stuff or giving their opinions on you know how how work could be done and they're all they're all industry professionals as far as i can tell i haven't seen anyone who's like not working in the industry make a video um you know but if i I just find it interesting that people are upset i don't quite i don't i don't quite understand why um i can tell you what they've heard um there's there's concern that people aren't aren't teachers you know and so they're charging people without being able to legitimately teach so what's happening is is people are buying these these uh experiences expecting a teacher and then on the other hand they're, they're not necessarily getting somebody that is versed in teaching, teaching, teaching itself is an art. Exchanging oh, ideas yeah. is, a, is an art. I think, I guess, and I absolutely agree, I think there's also the argument, too, because I've had a lot of conversations about this with quite a few people, um, but there's the argument that, like, okay, you know, like, $1 to $30,000, it's still, if it's not good, it's just not good. And, and you know, that's a little bit extreme, Um I don't necessarily agree with that myself. I think that exchanging ideas is fine. If somebody wants to pay for it, that's up to them, you know? Um, yeah. People spend money uh, frivolously on the stupidest shit all day long, you know? And, uh, you know, yeah. who, who am I to judge? I think if you're going to spend it on education, even if you don't necessarily get, like, a top-notch instructor, like a Scott Robertson instruction, because he's just a really great teacher, if you don't necessarily get that level of, teaching from somebody but you get one thing yeah. then it's worth it to me but that's my opinion yeah I, I i agree i think that as long as the information is you know 
useful to someone, then I think it's validated there. You know, if people are buying something and then every response is like, oh, this is shit, like, <laughs> then obviously you probably shouldn't charge for it. Um, and people won't buy it as a result of that. But I feel like, I don't know, I mean, I paid, I think when when we were going to art school, we figured out that like each class was around 700 bucks, each three hour class. Uh, someone else did the math. I don't know if that's actually correct, but that was like an estimate. If you're paying 30,000 a year and you're taking like eight courses every six months or so, um, that each class was like 700 bucks. And you know, a lot of the time you were put into a system where each individual class. Yeah. Each individual class, like you'd go on a Tuesday and for three hours and that was basically 700 bucks. Hmm. Um, and for me, it's like, you know, a lot of time you get into a, into the curriculum and they have their required classes and things you have to take that don't pertain to your major, don't even pertain to like the field that you're going into. And, um, you know, you're still paying 700 bucks a pop and not to, not to discredit art schools. I still think they're, they're a valid option and sure. give you a huge network and all that. But I just, in terms of the money thing and, and the teaching thing, I just, from where I'm coming from, it's like, I, I spent so much money on things that didn't actually help me that, you know, I, I buy Gumroad videos and watch them now. Like I, I learned from them. I still use them. Um, you should be kinda, though, right? You should never stop yeah. learning, you know? Well, you never do. Yeah. And I don't think that education or learning can be pigeonholed into like one avenue, whether it's school or, you know, a, a quote unquote teacher. Cause I think a teacher can be anything from, you know, another person who's in the field to someone who's just, you could learn from, from anything if they just say something and it could make something click for you or even a book you're teaching yourself. Like you can be your own teacher. Half the people I know who I work with who are extremely talented are all self-taught. Uh, and there's a few people that went to schools, at least in the concept community, like a lot of guys I know are, are self-taught. They didn't even go to like a four-year university or anything. Um, and, you know, they're, they're amazing. So I don't know that, I don't know that it's specific to whatever these people seem to think it is, um, <laughs> who, are, who are talking out against it. And I, I'm not, I'm really bad with the internet. Like I don't, I don't keep up on. That's good. A lot of this stuff, I never read Facebook. I think I just follow like maybe five or six people, like family and friends that I keep in touch with on a daily basis. Yeah. And the rest is kind of, you know, I'll hear about it through someone else if, uh, if it's, if it's important, I guess. But so when it comes to these kind of arguments, I don't really know the full story of what they're saying. Sure. But I just I just hear that they're upset about it, and it's like how they, how could they be upset about this? Like I wish <laughs> I had this when I was in school or before school. Oh yeah, I'd lose I'd lose my shit. <clears throat> it would be yeah. totally worth it to me, and I would be because <clears throat> I couldn't afford uh, an education outside of um, the. I was able to get grants and and and, and scholarships because I busted my ass, and I got yeah. two degrees, but they weren't. I, re- I really wanted to go to art center because I really wanted to be pushed really hard, and I and I'm aware of that school being that kind of thing so in, in, instead of that I had to go and and teach myself obviously on a lot of these things um, and and the funny thing is I ended up being employed by a company where almost everybody was our center graduate so I was just getting a, mm-hmm. a proper education in the workforce 
being paid to do it while working with like art center alumni, which is awesome. So it was kind of a win-win, but that was just based off hard work. But I think the argument mostly is about whether people are valid enough to be teaching. And some people feel that they're just, you know, cause you can make a decent amount of cash on the gum road if you're successful with it. If you have a good, if you have a good um, educational platform, if you have something good to offer, then you can make a decent amount of cash. And that's, for me, it's like, that's awesome. You know, for me, uh, you know, like I have friends that have made, had made good amount of cash on it and I, and I think that's really wonderful because they should get paid for what they do you know mm-hmm. they should be supported by the community or an employer or whatever whatever it may be because of their skill set and how good they are at it and I think that um, perhaps some people might be just a, b- a bit upset about that you know so I can see both sides for, for me it doesn't bother me and I think that it's you know it's just good if you know um, you should I don't know, it's just it's just a good it's a cool thing it's it's a really interesting like direct to direct like um consumer to you know the to provider it's just a direct source which I think I find to be the way of the future and I and I find it to be interesting and I'm glad that it's successful and it works and yeah I think I think what it kind of comes down to is what people what people's perception or what they consider a teacher to be like their expectation of a teacher sure and there's obviously people that come from a school of thought or or standpoint where they think you know a teacher is are those you know those Scott Robertsons or those you know Hogarths or whoever those you know masters that have been around those Nathan Folkses and stuff that uh, I guess have already proved themselves and continue to prove themselves like over the years which yeah obviously I'd love I wish Nathan Folks would do a Gumroad you know I'd pay yeah. I'd pay sixty bucks for it wouldn't even matter. But, um, and I guess he has his gnome on DVDs, I think. Um, I think he does, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've watched videos from him before back when I was in school and stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess if, if people are only looking to be taught by people like them, then, you know, that's fine. Like, yeah. It's not a bad choice. They're all, <laughs> you're certainly going to learn from them. Um, but I don't think there's anything harmful in watching, you know, someone else's process. And a lot of the time, I, I I can't speak for everyone, but I mean, I don't, when I've made tutorial videos, I don't come at it from a standpoint of like, oh, I'm going to teach you stuff. Because I, I feel like in every video I try and say like, you know, you still need to learn fundamentals and I'll give examples of books and reference materials that helped me along the way. Sure. And then the rest of it's kind of just showing process, which I feel like is the case with most of the videos. Like I'm watching a lot of Maches right now and he's just kind of all the videos I've watched of, of people, they tend to just take you through their personal process. They're not trying to I guess present it in a way where it's either the only way or or the best way or anything like that. It's just sort of this is how I work. I, I think that's worth its weight in gold just to see somebody that's professional and the and they're getting hired to do what they do and then showing their process. I think another concern that people might be having is the clones. You know, there's lots of people that are taking what people are giving them and not necessarily adapting their own style. Which for me, I think style comes from just a multitude of different things, but mostly just time. And I think mm-hmm. what might be happening is is there's this uh, cloning generation, I suppose, you know, where it's just uh, um, it happens a lot in the design community. Um, 
especially with like Cinema 4D and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of replication from tutorials. People take the tutorials and, and, and instead of going beyond the tutorial, they just kind of generate the same thing basically. And, and sometimes I can see it in the concept design and, and, and all that kind of stuff, that kind of world. You know, in Hollywood, they don't want to necessarily have something completely different. They just want it to be just slightly better than the last thing that they got from the last movie, you know? Not always, you know. It's it's different. It's it's hard to say that. Another person or another group of people I'm cons- I'm 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 interested in hearing about what they think about this stuff is the Nomen dudes. You know, like they run a business. Yeah. They've invested so much hard work and they've they've helped the community a ton. I think you know, and it's just interesting to see what's going to come of that for them. And you know, whether it's this is just a fad that's going to pass, or if it's not, if this is actually something for them to to be considered as a you know, a, a threat or, and another thing to think about too, is it's not 70 bucks or, you know, and, and so that basically people probably, probably won't be pirating a, a dollar download, you know, or a $5 download, you know, because most everybody can afford it. It opens up the market to a lot of people, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Sure. That's true. Uh, yeah. I mean, true. when I, when I was in art school, I know that, you know, they've got, everyone's sharing videos and stuff. They have all the Nomon things for free in the library. Yeah. And I guess that's part of what the $30,000 is that you're paying every year is to get access to that kind of stuff. But sure. it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I remember when we first started putting videos out, out you know, all the guys at work were kind of like, oh yeah, I've already heard that people are trying to like have people send it to them for free. And it's like, you know, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know everyone's situation. I can't speak to to that I can't expect people to even pay five bucks because you know some people don't don't have it um but it's it's an interesting thing that happens with this digital age too you know and good on you for not judging but it's interesting to see what happens where I think from how old are you I'm 26 26 okay we're not too far apart I'm 31 but I think from our parents generation things were tangible physical things and the right. current generation now is it's it's a lot of information and, and values on the internet, but it's hard to really value it because it all kind of comes at such a rapid rate, and it's hard to really hold on to its value. I think you know, and it's kind of scary, at least for content creators like myself and many people, and, and probably yourself as well. We've kind of talked about your sketchbook and all that stuff, and distribution mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, and you still have to keep the lights on. But how do you do so? You know, and it leads for a really interesting conversation, though. Yeah, I kind of find another argument that I I hear about a lot within the concept community or or the sort of digital community is that, you know, people, there's like a group of people that seem to not mind the use of photo and 3D and all this sort of thing. Yeah. And there's another avenue of people that like are totally against it or they think it's, you know, cheating or or whatever they whatever it is people work (laughs) what do those people do for a living though that's my concern that's my question that so what you're talking about and for people that aren't aren't aware of this kind of stuff because not everybody is privy to these things is 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 photo mashing basically what it's called and and using photos as a as a as a means to build on for concept painting and stuff and what's the reason that you use it because i know that you and Miche and a lot of people myself included use it for me it's time because yeah. they're like, hey, hey, you, uh, I need 40 of these things by the end of like this week or something. You're like, well, fuck, if I actually had to paint this, you'd get one. But if I use, maybe able to use photos, you might get 20. 
you know, and then you can yeah. boil down. Is that kind of the same process for you? Is it, is it because of the, the design of the, of the, the machine, I guess? Yeah, I think, I think the bottom line is, uh, in when you're working in the industry on production art, um, it, you know, time is money and you want to deliver things fast, quickly, and to a quality that your client is asking for. And it's like, uh, personally, I never, I, it, I'm sort of at a weird place with digital art because when people start to get into the argument of painting, in my mind, I'm like, well, none of it's painting. It's on the computer. Like, it's not, <laughs> true. I feel like it's almost something different. Like, it's still image making. You're still creating art. But as far as it being painting, I don't know. That kind of gets into, like, what do you consider painting? Sure. Is it the application of color and shape? to an image or is it the actual physical act of painting? Cause for me, if I want to be, if I want to be, you know, more in, in line with that, I'll go out and I'll do my sketchbook. Like that's kind of why I have my sketchbook because that's where I can yeah. go and, and sort of fulfill that, that need. But then when I'm at work, it's like, well, what do I got? What do I have to do? When do they need it? And what's the quality that they're expecting? And I always try and, start there and then push myself based on what I see other guys doing around me and on the internet and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, to keep a job, you have to be at least, at least not everywhere, not everywhere expects you to photo bash, uh, which I think is the other issue that people had with it where they thought that some people are saying that this is the only solution. And it's like, well, no, obviously not. But if certain studios, certain, you know, picture companies are going to expect that level of quality. Um, and if you want to work there, then you have to sort of produce that, that level of quality. Or even if maybe level of quality is a bad way of putting it, maybe it's just a look, you know? Sure. It's a style. It's a way of creating images. You think you said it perfectly. And I don't, I, I actually agree as well. It's not necessarily painting um, because it is, there's the general thing, but what is it? Let's break it down to its main core. You have a director or a visionary, and he needs some vision to help him get his project done. And he's going to use whatever means, or he or she's going to use any means that they can to get that idea across so they can help with the shareholders and the investments and blah, 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 you know, so they can go, uh, there's a script and this is what this place looks like. Well, then I need to hire this person. So when that person goes and, and generates these ideas or these concepts, they really, you have to do whatever you can to generate that. Look mm -hmm. and feel, and if you're creating, let's just use The Last of Us in, as an example. It has this photo quality, this beautiful lighting, the setting, the mood. The environment is is just as much of a character as the main characters are. It has it, it wears it wears the weathered sensation of the world of that time, you know. And and in order to get that feel, I think that you kind of have to use reality to do so. So it's, case in uh, point, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, you definitely have to at least at least reference it. I mean, it's not to say that, like, I, I don't think the paintings would have needed to be as photoreal. I see on the internet some people say, like, why do they need to be so photoreal? And I don't think they do, uh, but I just think it's sort of, for production purposes, when you're dealing with, like, all the different departments, whether it's texture, lighting, the art guys, uh, 
foreground, you know, all the different modelers, it's like they're going to need that level of information so they can translate it into the game. Sure. And I know if if you're doing painterly things or painterly strokes, not everyone's, I don't want to say that they're not able to interpret it, but it just, it takes more time or it leaves more room for interpretation. And a lot of the time they want to nail things down in, in a concept stage so they can use that as a reference point. And if if something's open to interpretation, then you might have two different departments looking at it and getting two different things or interpreting it differently. And then that's just going to kind of jam up sort of the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I feel like that's a part of it. Um, It's totally a part of it. You know, it's interpretation and making sure that there's no like, you know, miscommunication. That actually is a very good thing that happened. No, it's, it's a good point that you point out is, is with Pixar, for example, when a when the artists will be tasked with generating the character studies, they'll draw these really beautiful pencil sketches, all this energy. But when they start to put it in 3D, they have to really change it because it can't necessarily look that amazing from that angle. Because once it's in 3D, it just it shifts and changes. That's why they make the maquettes and all that stuff as well. And so I mm-hmm. think what we're talking about and what you have been helping out with is is more or less geared towards presenting and creating something along with a team creating a vision is that mm-hmm. more or less kind of on that same pathway yeah i mean you were all we're all in it to at the end of the day make a game it's not really the art there's definitely you know something there and and i think that you know there's a community of people that love to see that that stuff but um i think what people kind of fail to realize is that a lot of the time this art is made for the sole purpose of, of communicating to help make something else. It's not really meant to exist uh, as simply art. It does exist as art, but, you know, it, I don't know if I'm right on the threshold the here. No, I don't but, think so. I don't think so. It's, 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 it's still, that's what makes it such a, a converse, conversation, really, you know, because it is, it's like on that threshold. It's not necessarily fine art. It's not necessarily game art. It's not necessarily production art. It's like right there in the middle. When it, I think when it's doing its best job, it's it's conveying a mood. That's what yeah. I would say. You know, that that's what I that's at least what I try and do with my work, or what I hope comes across is is the mood. Because at the end of the day, it's like I want to try and nail that. So then, for me personally, like what I like to affect in the game, or what I would like to add to the game, is that sort of mood or feeling that goes along with all sort of the set dressings and stuff like that. It's like I can I can paint a room with, you know, props in it, but how can I try and tell a story with, a, with the light or make a, a mood with that lighting? Or maybe I can put a character in there to help influence, you know, how that scene's going to play out or what they're going to look like or things like that. Um, for me, because I love games, so I, like, for me, it's the cool part is getting to actually affect the game yeah. and the art. I love art, so it's kind of like it's just a bonus. It's best of both worlds. You must have been um, pretty stoked to be on The Last of Us, and like a perfect storm for you, huh? Yeah, it was like an extremely awesome opportunity to get to work on that game because I actually I've been a huge fan of Naughty Dog since I was a kid, growing up with Crash and Jack, and then I remember when Uncharted came out. I was me and my friends stayed up all night playing it. Uh, we were just floored by what the first game was. I remember we hung out at GameStop and we like told people to buy it because we were so like amazed at it. There was a Jeep sequence where you go through the jungle 
And we were just like shit ourselves because we were like, holy <laughs> crap, this is a game? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it was better than like the Tomb Raider CG cutscenes from like 1993 or whatever um, <laughs> in terms of graphics and stuff. But the. It's a um, lot of love that went into those games. A lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing. Uh, yeah, just seeing sort of where they've come as a studio in their games and getting to work on. on uh, the Last of Us. It was it was huge for me. I was like really thankful uh, that I had that opportunity. I watched the behind the scenes and how it was made. It was a really cool documentary. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Have you watched it? Oh, Grounded. Yeah, yeah, Grounded, yeah. that's it. Yeah, it was really and uh, it was really cool just seeing the amount of love and care and ideation and vision. Um, it's really similar to film. I thought it was kind of a interesting thing. There's a lot of debate whether you know whether this is the way to make these kind of things. For me, I don't know. It's, it doesn't really matter. It's all about the experience. We just kind of like touched upon that, but you know, about the art and stuff and the feel, capturing the feel and helping the feel for the, the, uh, the viewer or the, 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 the final, the final participant, which is the customer. But I, I, the thing I really enjoyed from that was, was a lot of the love and, and, and the care given to the story and developing characters that aren't just this, superficial easy to dispose of kind of way and i i think that's really smart and i'm really glad to see that it was a success i'm still i still haven't played it i don't necessarily really make any time for video games which i should because i'm (laughs) just looking at like your your work and michelle's work and everybody else's that helped on it and and all the critical acclaim that it got it's just like "Ah, i really want to try it out i just don't have a playstation because i think it's a playstation game right yeah it's on uh, ps3 and, and ps4 yeah. As the remaster, but you can watch probably YouTube playthroughs of it if you haven't. That's true too. I feel if you like, don't have I a f- console. But. Yeah, I feel like a cheater if I do that, though, right? I'm not <laughs> going to get the full experience. I kind of want to control the person, you know. So I'm like, no, yeah, don't go that way. Go this way. But yeah, I think you'll probably get more out of it if you actually play it. But of course, yeah. yeah I would. I mean, and also I want to help support it too. I'm sure. <clears throat> I'm sure there has been enough money made off it, but at the same time, it's just cool to encourage this stuff if it really is good, as good as everybody screams it is you know it's like you got to encourage good art when it's made you know you got to encourage good things in general when they're created so yeah but no i think that um yeah it's it's that must have been a really cool experience you know as artists we kind of i don't know if this is the same for you being in a pipeline or being a part of a project you're not necessarily the main thing you're part of a team and Mm -hmm. you're you're just lucky if you get the chance to work on a really good project, you know, it's like, you just, that make... was, <laughs> or that was like part of the draw, the huge draw to why I wanted to work at Naughty Dog aside from loving their games growing up and stuff. But I knew that I'd get a chance to work with, you know, Mache and Aton and Aaron and, and my buddy Nick and stuff. And, uh, I'd seen Hyung's character stuff at the time. And, um, I think that was, and oh, Mark was there too. when uh, when I started, but he, he left, maybe like six months after I got there, I think, but Mm. just seeing all the guys that were working there and, and knowing where I, I was at that time, like at that time with my art and where I wanted to be. And I just knew that I'd get like, I'd learn a ton just from being in that studio. And I, I I feel like I did. Um, and I was actually have to, right. Being around those kind of that talent, you know? Yeah. It's funny though. that. Sort of to go back to Gumroad, like I sat next to Mache for like, uh, for like about a year while 
we were working on, uh, I guess, the tail end of Last of Us and, and the DLC and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm watching his Gumroads now, and there's still things where I'm like, oh, that, like that's what he's doing. And I sat next to the guy. <laughs> and we would, I would always ask, you know, like, what, how are you doing that? Or like, what is this that you're doing? Or like, you know, trying to figure out just how to better my workflow and get my work, you know. He's a savage. He's been doing yeah. it for so long, and he's so fast at it too. And he's yeah. he's just he has a really good understanding of creating presence, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not a, like just compositional pl- presence. Uh, how to move the eye around? He's really good at it too. You you, I can tell that you know. I'm sure you had it yourself, but it's cool. I can see that it must have helped you to be around those that level of talent. You know, like you just help, so you feed off the off of that you know that's one thing i miss about not being at a studio or in in the location of another artist or a group of people is that interaction you know that yeah that push i'm a bit competitive too so i love to like just crank it up you know turn it up <laughs> a couple notches just to talk shit because it's fun you know at least that's, for my, me. <laughs> that's my favorite part actually about about going into work is all you know we'll all be working on our own paintings and our own levels and stuff and then uh you know, I'll look over one of their shoulders and I'll see a painting and I'm like, ah, fuck, like, that's so good. Like, and I look at what I've been working on the last two days and I'm like, it's not good. It's not good anymore. I got to step it up. Like, that's constantly happening, uh, you know, I think back and forth where we just kind of like inspire each other. And at least I know they inspire me to, to push myself and do, do better things and stuff. But good directors yeah. know that too. Um, they, they'll put, they'll put talent together. They'll put them in the same room. Yeah. Um, either for their egos to clash or for them to compete and create the best that they can. Um, little do you know how, how, how much potential you have or how much you can push yourself to that level. And, and I think if you're in an environment where it helps you grow, uh, I think it, you're ex- you grow exponentially and that comes from just your environment. I think I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly influenced by in my environment and I'm aware of it. Um, yeah. But when I, yeah, when I'm around other really talented people, I just, I feel talented. I feel powerful, you know, and, and that environment and that experience is great. That's just the one thing that I really don't like about um, working freelance. But at the same time, there's so many other things that are just, they outweigh that part. And I can, I can still push myself incredibly hard. But is there a chance for you, do you are you going to be at Naughty Dog for a while? Are you, are you, are you stoked on it? Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) You're all out shit. (laughs) I hope I get to stay there. Yeah, Um, I definitely don't plan on on leaving any you know anytime soon or on my own accord. Like unless they get sick of me, I guess I'll I'll leave. But uh, (laughs) yeah, no, I I love working there, and I I love uh, sort of what's on the horizons and stuff. So I'm I have no plans to go anywhere else. That's awesome. That's a good place to be, I suppose, you know, as long as you're growing, right, and pushing yourself and yeah. trying to put yourself into a a level of development increasingly, you know, so to go that's, back, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's not to say that I don't have other interests or would love to work on other projects, but it's just, uh, it's sort of like, you know, can't have, can't have everything, but. No, of course not. Yeah, you can have a little bit of both, but yeah. You got to respect people's like you know time and things and stuff. If they're going to hire you to to work on these things, you should be there, present, you know, mentally and physically, you know. So 
just so that you feel that it's a fair relationship, yeah. you know? So, but it seems like they have a really good understanding of how to keep talent going and stuff, which is great. It's not easy to run a company. It's incredibly challenging and let, let alone a million, multi-million dollar company. So yeah. Yeah. Props to everybody over there. It's <laughs> doing it right. It's not easy to do that, you know? So yeah. And a lot of people I think could just look at these situations and kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, but it's a, quite an accomplishment to run a run a company in general, you know. So yeah, there's yeah. a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, like the way it's run is just I, I find it I find it great just because they they listen, you know. They don't they don't ever shut you down, or they're always they're always interested if you have something to say, or you know, if you want to throw in your two cents, like they'll actually listen to it. They might not do it, but you know, if they just the fact that they're open to it, I think is huge. Cause I've worked, you know, with, uh, in some situations where you just, you had no say, you were just a sort of, uh, what's the word? I don't you're know. Just, a droid. You're just, yeah, you're just, you know, you're just, <laughs> it's an articulated word, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just, you're just there to kind of do whatever they ask and you don't have any say, you know, they don't want your opinion. They don't want that kind of thing, but they're at, at Naughty Dog, they're open to that stuff and they actually, you know, make you, make you a part of the creative process, which is, I think, I think where, I think, I think that's what makes their games so good. Yeah. As a, as a fan. Like Become a saying. collaborator of the, of the experience and stuff. So it allows you to have ownership. I think that's just a smart, that's a smart business running though. You know, you hire the yeah. best talent that you can and give them a piece of the responsibility, you know, just enough for them to feel like they're a part of it, you know, not too much to make it feel like, they're going to get crushed by the responsibility, but just enough, you know, the worst, the worst part about working there though, is that I can't necessarily play the game as a fan anymore. Cause sure, I've already of course. like lived with it for a year or two by the time it's come out. So I'm sort of like, you should hate it. I, I don't No, That's the thing. I didn't, I didn't hate it. It was just, I wish I could have played it, you know, having known nothing. Cause so many times, uh, you know, when I'm anticipating something, I'll try, I'm not very good at it, but I'll try to not watch the trailers and, and spoil things for myself. But, um, you know, I, I knew the ending of, of the game before I even started to play it. So I wish I could have kind of played it without, uh, without having known anything. Cause everyone seemed to really, uh, enjoy it. So, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's challenging. You know, I have that same problem too. You know, how much because I used to watch trailers or care about what people had to say, and now I don't. I just don't care, and I just and I just I you know I just I don't know. People have their opinions, and 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 that's great. Um, but yeah, yeah. Regarding that stuff, I just kind of allow myself to experience something, and and really under try to dissect it in my mind, and even write it down and stuff. You know, so articulate. Which brings me back to the Gumroad thing too, because when you have to teach something, you have to really articulate it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and break it down so that somebody else can understand it. I think there's a there's a really interesting thing that happens to the mind when you have to really convey things, because I don't know about you, but some some of these things I take for granted because I've been doing it for so long, and that it just comes second nature. And when I have to sit down and break it down to somebody and go, yeah, like even when I have to teach something to my daughter, she's nine years old, and I have to teach something to her. I feel like incredibly articulate about it and it makes me think like, yeah, why do I do that? You know, maybe there's a better way about doing this thing, you know? And so I think teaching is really, that's one of the highest levels that you can get 
as far as like a human being, you know, conveying other information to another person to help further their thought, I suppose, you know. Yeah, I hope, I mean, I hope, you know, I, I can do that or that I, that, you know, that my videos can help people that way. But I found that I, I actually learned from making them myself. Um, like what you were just saying, it's like just by doing it, I started to think more about my own process and how I think about things because I had to articulate it or say it out loud. And um, yeah, same thing. I realized like, oh, that's why I do this or, you know, this is what I'm doing in my head because it, it does become second nature. So having to talk through it and kind of, you know, present it, I think helped yeah. clear it up for me. But Yeah, just, I, think it, I think it maybe, if anything, it just validates your decisions and whether you can have a better way of going about it or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, uh, going back to your education, where did you actually get your education from? Uh, I got it from a lot of places. Uh, I started in high school uh, at this studio in the Valley called Valley Art Institute, which uh, was pretty much just like a, a little warehouse studio space um, where we'd have like life drawing and, you know, all the fundamental foundational classes and stuff like that. Um, but I think there was that, that sort of community there where it was constantly like that friendly competition that everyone would sort of be pushing everyone else around them to, to do better. Yeah. Um, which was awesome. And that's sort of what I feel like I have now at, at Naughty Dog. Cause I'm friends with, you know, I actually knew Aton. Aton went to Valley Art as well. Okay. Cool. Um, so we knew each other since then. And then after that, I went on to like a community college and took some art classes at Pierce. And then I went to Otis for four years. And then I didn't actually, I, I didn't actually go through the, the four years as a digital student the whole time. I was actually a, a split major between that and illustration. And it wasn't until my senior year that I actually really started to focus on uh, digital work because Aton uh, and my friend Luke sat me down and were kind of like, "You should probably learn digital. It's gonna like help, you know, help with work and stuff like that." Um, so I, so I did. And then the last year, I just focused on trying to learn basically the tools because I had learned all the sort of foundation stuff or been learning the foundation stuff through illustration and through, you know, since, since high school of perspective and color theory and all that kind of thing. But I find that using the Photoshop or, or 3d programs and stuff, that's sort of like a whole different aspect of the learning part, um, which I'd like to get back into after I talk about all the, the places I, I went to school, but after, after Otis, I went to red engine uh, and took some classes with John Park and Jung and Luke and Mark Castanon. And it was basically, <laughs> yeah. 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 He taught the, um, uh, the environment sketching, which was basically like art center viz dev. Mm. So it was, you know, drawing all the cubes and lighting them and one, two and three and warped perspective and isometric drawings and stuff like that. Really helped uh, you, you think to use that information unknowingly every day. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I got really into perspective in high school and then at Otis I took a drawing intensive course from Nathan Oda who 
uh, it was all, it was the same kind of thing, like, uh, all the perspective and, and rendering and visual development stuff. It wasn't quite geared towards visual development for entertainment, but it was more for illustration. Mm. Um, but it's the same, I mean, it's the same kind of principles. It's just a different, uh, I guess, application. Uh, and then I got the, the John Park and, and Mark Castanon class at Red Engine, uh, and that kind of helped me transition into sort of entertainment stuff and composition. Uh, but, but on top of that, I bought a lot of books that I think helped me, you know, just as much as, as any of those courses and, and instructors where like I'd get framed ink, uh, James Gurney's color and light. Um, framed ink is really good. It's, yeah, like crazy rich with information. I'm trying to get through that and his comic book too. Recently, I just got it. Steel, I think I remember the name. Ooh, I'll have to pick that up. I haven't uh, see. I haven't I'll, seen that. I'll find the name of it in just a minute. Sorry, keep going. No, I yeah, I read that book maybe like two or three times, cover to cover, and immediately after, like that was right after I finished uh, the Red Engine courses, and then I was just sort of learning. Like that, the, those courses kind of got me even more comfortable with the digital medium, doing environments and, and whatnot. And then when I realized I was ready to start uh, working on my portfolio, uh, that was when I read Frame Dink a bunch, and that that was huge. Um, so if you if you haven't heard of that book or you haven't read it, do it because it's freaking huge, like filled with so much information. It's really yeah. rich. I'm trying to get the author on the podcast, actually, because I'm sure he's got a lot of cool things to say. Marcus uh, Mateo? I think so. Yeah, that's his yeah. name. Yeah, that's it. I'm not sure if the pronunciation is right on the last name, but yeah. that's him. Uh, yeah. That's why I hesitated. But the uh, there's another really good book. I forget the... Let me see if I can find it on my shelf right here. Uh, it's called Dream Worlds, mm-hmm. and it's similar. Have you read that one? Uh, okay, well, I'm... I'm looking at my bookshelf too because I think I might have that book. Is it the Weta guys? Is that the uh, one, or is that a different name? Is that a different book? Oh wait, I think. Let oh. me look. <laughs> I have a lot of books. That's cool that you're a book person as well. I'm assuming. Are yeah, you- I just I picked up a ton of architecture books like a couple weeks ago oh, uh, yeah. by this guy Francis D K Ching, and I don't, I don't, uh, I hadn't heard of him, but I actually realized that after I bought all the architecture books that he put out is that I have two books from him that were like kind of foundational drawing books Mm. that I, that I just randomly found in a a bookstore. So when I I was looking at my shelf and I saw that those books were there and then I looked at the name and it said DK Ching and I'm like, Oh, it's the same guy. Oh, badass. He's, he has really good books. Um, looking at him right now. That's cool. Yeah. They're all, they're all good. Um, but dream worlds, I don't remember who wrote it, but it was, I think, a Disney... Fetcher or something. Vizdev. I have that book, yeah. Sorry, yeah. keep going. Well, that has a lot of the similar uh, things that Frame Dink has in terms of composition and, you know, storytelling and all that kind of thing. So that's another really good one that's kind of coupled with that. Oh, wait. Hans Bacher wrote it. Yeah, Hans Bacher, that's it. Yeah, um, I have it. I'm looking at it right now. Um yeah, that book is really good. There's a book um, I also that it's called Picture This. It's very mm. small, very simple. It's about it's this um, elementary school instructor. Uh, she decided to 
understand why images work psychologically and it's very simple the breakdown is really cool um it, anybody can learn from this it's it's kind of cool she breaks down like how to tell a story with the most minimal things to create an image so uh like snow white and the or not snow white sorry um red riding hood and the wolf so she creates a composition and originally she'd create it using um cut it cut out um, oh. card or uh, construction paper with minimal yeah. color but it's I've seen this. yeah it's a wonderful book it's very simple it's really affordable i highly recommend it um just because if anything even for designers anybody that's out there that are image creators or trying to push emotion it's really interesting to just kind of see, you know, there's no necessary recipe, but there are techniques at work, you know, it's like, you know, if you add salt to food, you can add, you add the flavor, you know, so it helps the flavor. So it's same thing. It's, it just gives you more tools to use, you know, when creating composition and stuff. So, which yeah. usually for me, a piece of work, a piece of art or a creation, usually either it works or it doesn't. And mostly the times are when there's not a strong composition that's usually what it is for me are the camera angles is it's the cameras in the wrong spot you know mm -hmm. or if it's flat or something i get but it, it always depends on their you know the brief and who was going for what and stuff but yeah are there a couple other books that you that really helped influence your career um let me think uh i'm sure there were but let me look at my Look at my shelf. Uh, oh, uh, Edgar Payne's "Compositions for an Outdoor Painter" uh, is awesome. Um, that more, I think that affects me more with the pencil sketchbooks. But I'm finding myself using it, or it's a lot of the same principles. But it's just, you know, he's talking about it in terms of landscape painting. Yeah. Um, and I'm finding myself using it a lot more and more in terms of the entertainment stuff that I'm doing because I just find that it's just, it's just more ideas of how to compose a shot and more ideas on how to kind of, you can translate that then into how to tell a story. Kind I think. of similar to the a la prima, right? A la prima is great. I actually, I haven't read that through yet, but, um, me neither. It's I very have. expensive. <laughs> I haven't been able to buy it yet. It's like 300 bucks usually, or like 150 Someone told me to get the second one, uh, the Alaprima Alaprima 2, because it's the same thing. I think it's just, uh, it's like the two put together. Oh, okay. You mean better. One. Yeah. 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 And it's like a hundred bucks, which if it's, if it's a powerful book, then it's great. I guess it depends on your destination, right? Because that's another thing I wanted to talk about is, is you're really big into like life drawing of landscapes and, mm -hmm. and, um, was it not still life? Is that what you classify that as me? Uh, just a land, I guess landscape drawing or but you're connecting your hand to your eye and observing the world and creating compositions and stuff what what inspired you to do these things uh, I've done those probably since I guess I took I took a class in uh, at, when I was at Otis with uh, Andrew hem who it was a gouache landscape painting class and I used to do as a result of that class, a ton of gouache landscape paintings. Mm. Um, but then more recently, I just, for time and, and setup and all that, I just bring a pencil around because I can take it out anywhere and do a sketch in, you know, like 15 minutes to an hour, depending on how much time I have. And it'll, 
I don't know. It's just quick for me. But I, I find that I've been seeing a lot of pencil work online from from people, whether it's on Facebook or ArtStation. And I won't I forget forget who it was, but I saw a pencil drawing of like uh, an old milkmaid or something on Facebook once, and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do more pencil. Like I miss pencil, and I never really. Like I hadn't really used it since school because it was all digital or, or gouache if I went out to use anything traditional. Um, and I was big into Bic pen drawing for <laughs> a long time. Me uh, too. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to. I kind of want to do another sketchbook of just Bic pen landscapes, but that'd be uh, cool. I have James Jean's pen. You try that one. Oh yeah, the that'd be oh, awesome. It's uh, let me look. SKP. Yeah, the clear. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I really like it. It's uh, secretary pencils, SKB, SB-1000. Yeah. And then 0.15, or 0.5 size. Yeah, I have like about like five boxes because I really love those. They're really great because they feel like um, pencil because the way that mm-hmm. the way that if, if you don't put a ton of pressure, you can get a lot of hatching, but then it doesn't smudge really unless you're, I'm, I'm left-handed, so it's kind of a bitch no matter what. But um, yeah, I really like those. And but I, I found those to be better than the Bic ones because I used Bic for a long time. But the reason why is um, with Bic it would build up, and it would it would uh, there'd be like blots, I guess. See, I had that I had that happen with the SKB and not the Bic. Hmm, interesting. Well, yeah, there I you go. I used the medium the medium round stick of the Bic, so I don't know. We're using a fine point Bic or? Um, I think it was just the normal. You know, like, and the reason why I would just use the normal Bic is because I just didn't have any money for any art supplies, so I would just same. Yeah, yeah I just grab this because I'm like, you know what? Who gives a shit? I don't really care about the that necessarily the novelty of things. Um, and I'm in a weird predicament now where I can afford to buy art supplies, and and so I buy stuff, but then I I'm like too worried to try it. It's really weird. I have this like weird mental fuck up in my head where uh, I don't know. Don't yeah, like no, I don't want to damage it or use it. I don't know. Maybe it's because I, just my my poor kid mentality or something. I don't know what the problem is. And but yeah, it's but the pen that I usually use for sketching and stuff has been that. And I'm just curious if you'd used it because a lot of people have asked about that. And and I don't know. It's just I know that I noticed that you're using pencil, which is awesome. It's kind of cool to trace back to your roots, right? Go back to that with a different mindset and a different skill set, you're like, hey, I can make this pencil shit look good. <laughs> you know, like, this, this is working out for me now, so. <laughs> it was, it for me, it was just nice to kind of do something that wasn't on the computer, too. Yeah. Because um, I kind of miss, I used to just, in high school and in college, I, I carried a sketchbook around everywhere, and um, it was, like, my favorite thing. I'd rather do a page in my sketchbook than, you know, like a finished, painting or something on a canvas like I just I really like my sketchbook and um uh same yeah I just yeah but I'm I'm trying to think when I decided to get back into it I guess it was about a couple months ago that I I mean I had been doing it on and off but it was about a month or two ago that I kind of just started doing it every day and um I'm gonna try and continue that as long as I can until I get too busy too or something but um. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. I love it. No, that's really cool. I can tell you, you do. Uh, there's an. If you if you're not aware of those are li- that are listening that what we're talking about. Um, is there a way for them to see? Because it's not on your like blog thing, right? You're not yet. Yeah, I should. I should put it on my blog and art station and and whatnot. I haven't. 
I, I, I have to get a scanner or find a place where I can scan them. Um, yeah. Or I can just take pictures of them, I guess. But yeah, uh, it uh, they're on they're on my Facebook timeline. Don't be lazy, dude. Scan it in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just no, I, with you. <laughs> no, I scan. I'd uh, I, what I'd actually like to do. Too. They're like a pretty affordable. I haven't I haven't looked, but I was thinking in my head that they're expensive. But no, if not, not really. I think I mean, well, what size is your sketchbook? It's small, so I don't need a big one. Yeah, they're like hundred bucks or something, if that. That's what I have. I have like a Canon. I need to get eleven by seventeen one. Those are get those get expensive. But okay. The ones yeah. that because I mean I think are you using a moleskin? Is that what you use for a sketchbook? Yeah, I, I yeah. use the uh, the little. I think it's like a. I want to say four by three or maybe it's five by three. I don't know. What it's very small. Yeah, that's yeah. super small. That's how small they are. I think so. Damn, um, it's tiny. They don't. They don't actually have any of the information written on the inside of the thing, so you can't even <laughs> find out what kind of moleskin you got. I, I love moleskins. They're like my favorite. Yeah, sense. me too. The paper is so um, so good, and the only problem I have is I'm starting to use inks now, and it, it bleeds through to the other side, which is kind of unfortunate. Really? So, yeah, oh, well, like, I'm using like, like marker. The, yeah, I'm using um, the Pentel brush pen and a couple other pens. Uh, okay. It's kind of like I just can't use it. Because I can't use the page behind it, you know, so it's kind of a waste. But, oh, well, it's not a big deal. It's just now I have to, like, when I start sketching, I'm starting to just use type type paper and just, like, mm-hmm. just trash it. I was, I got, in, I also got inspired by that Koji, I think it's Yoji Shinkawa, the guy that does all the Metal Gear Solid, like, that's, oh, yeah. that savage asshole. <laughs> I loved I loved those growing up with the... I had the strategy guide for Metal Gear Solid. Oh, that's so cool. And there was a ton of... Or I don't know if it was the official one or not, but it was... It might have actually been like a, a PlayStation magazine or a PS Extreme or something that had like dedicated an issue to that. And they had oh, a, bunch so of, a bunch of his drawings in there. They were really cool. Yeah, that's what the reason. Like his art is what the reason that got me into Metal Gear. And then I played the game and I beat it and I was like so into it. This is back in like yeah. high school. And... Uh, yeah, I've always been a fan of his art. I, I just I love when artists are so bold and they have the integrity to carry all that energy. And that's really mm-hmm. what I get from his work. It's just a ton of energy that leads to a lot of I don't know, exploratory, you know. And I think that pattern, you know, if we talked about using photos to mimic reality and to help set a set a mood in a in a setting, he's actually on the opposite, complete opposite, where it's like it's all gesture. In, in tone and mm-hmm. in, in shape and energy if you look at his character studies for characters and stuff in the game it's like a knee pad is is based on like a couple swirls and like just random things but it all fits together so well for somehow but i think it's just the energy and that's a different way a different system can you imagine being the guy that has to take that like really rough sketch and go all right now to make it into 3d you're like oh this fucking guy <laughs> give I'm me those ca- details <laughs> i can't i can't say but i'm guessing that he had to do call outs yeah someone had to do call outs or something where he just put pictures and drew lines to what his yeah sketch was or something i would but, imagine you know like but i think that the energy capturing that energy and, and keeping it really pure and strong i think that's um I don't know. It's really cool. Everybody has a different approach. And I think no matter what, it breaks down to time, how much time you put into these things, how much effort, you know, really at, yeah. at the end of the day, that's what people really react to. I think is, is 
damn, this guy is good. And why is he good? Because he's put so much time into this. Or he, why is she so good? It's just, it's that effort that you put into it and, it, and it. and it crosses over. People feel that, you know. Usually it just seems like it's time, though. That's always what it feels like to me. I don't know. There's always that 10-year thing, too. It's like 10 years. It seems like after 10 years from somebody, like their shit just kicks ass so badass that they just keep going at it for 10 years, no matter what it is. They just turn into like a savage fucking beast. It's just like, yeah, ah. they got... They have their process down, and they've you know, they've done it to a point where it's just second nature. I think eventually that stuff I think just becomes second nature. Yeah. And then you don't even have to think about it. You just, I mean, you do, but you, I imagine, I imagine you'd have to think about it still, but you you just sort of you live it, so you don't have to put too much uh, too much thought into it. Yeah. But. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they maybe they are are in the same boat where they're constantly thinking about it, trying to make a good image. But I would imagine that it's a bit of both. I was really surprised because I was going through a lot of emotional like ups and downs trying to create this thing that I'm making, and it's not emotional. It's just a lot of doubt, basically. And mm-hmm. I was reading an interview with Mobius. He's one of my favorite artists just because of his sheer imagination and just ability to create things. And and what's and what he said when he was creating. Um, the thing with Silver Surfer with um, Stanley. Stanley wrote the story. It's actually fucking awesome. I don't know if you've ever read it. Um, I was trying to look for it on my shelf here. <clears throat> um, but there's an interview at the end of it, um, and it's just really amazing. It's a, a parable. That's what it's called. But um, it's Silver Surfer parable comic. But it's it's really beautiful and amazing. But uh, the one thing I love about John Giro is this, he was so honest and he didn't really, like, he wasn't trying to put up blocks in an interesting way. So when he would convey his sense of mood at that moment in his life when he was creating these things, he was really honest and candid and he was saying how hard and challenging it was and it was like the hardest thing he's ever done and all the self-doubt and stuff. And, it, and for part of me, I was like, oh, I'm relieved. And then part of me is like, oh, fuck no. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, why am I putting myself through this challenge? And I guess art is hard, you know? Like, it's never, I don't know. Is do What do you think of that? Do you think that it is? Do you think it's a punishing uh, thing? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think that part of the draw to art or what, what I imagine people like about it is that it's challenging and i mean i think you have to like i think you have to kind of like challenges and challenging yourself to kind of stick with it because it you have like extreme ups and downs um you know when you you'll make something and you'll love it and then you'll look at it like a week later and hate it at least for me (laughs) yeah i I, a lot of the uh, a lot of my work i'll look at and i just you know, I get, I get down on it. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't like that anymore. I don't, I don't think that's a good image or I hate that or whatever. And then I'll, can you articulate that, it? The, 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 why can you, uh, I think, I think because it's at least what I'd like to think is that it's growth that I'm growing yeah. and that when I see something that I did, I recognize where I was and, and, and where I, where I am now. And I, I guess it's just it's hard to look at like ah oh, why would I, why did I do that or like look look where I was and 
you don't want to you don't want to think about that. You just want to look ahead and kind of see how can I get better. You don't want to look at at, at the stuff where you weren't in your eyes as good um, as you are now. I guess at least for me. But yeah, I think sure. for me that's like I I like that kind of that back and forth or those ups and downs because it's I don't know. I like I like challenges. I like challenging myself with stuff, and I think that. It's it's a good place to start if you want to grow and kind of just push yourself to get better. Um, and that's another thing about, I think you were saying that the Gumroad uh, you feel like is causing a lot of, like, uh, I forget how you put it, but like cookie cutter or, or something along those lines. Yeah, clones. Yeah, Clones. Um, and I think, Mache kind of talked about this on, or you talked about it with Mache on, on the podcast about he was like letting go of stuff that he felt were like secrets or like things that he kind of held dear that he did and, and letting go of those is pushing him to, to do better or, or come up with new means to, to make images. himself to reinvent himself. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think there's something to that because it's like, well, yeah, it's like, obviously as an artist, you want to get better. I think if you've reached a point where you're like, I'm the best, then you're probably the worst. <laughs> worst, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I feel like, you know, I feel like there's, there's something to that. It's like, if, if you can, if you can put yourself in a position where it's like, oh, I can't rely on this anymore. I can't, this isn't my thing. It never really, to be honest, I don't think anything in art can really ever be like, like your thing, even style or, or something. I feel like at the end of the day, it's like, once you put it out there, it's like, it's almost everybody's in a sense. Mm, can you explain um, that a little bit more? Cause I agree with you, but I want to, I want to talk about that because that's a very interesting thing about releasing work and getting it out there and the internet and what it is, what it does to things, content in general. Yeah. Like if you look at, I mean, look at things like, like reboots, like, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something. It's like, obviously people grew up with the, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, some guy, someone drew that and then they put it out there. This is just one Bad example. Uh, <laughs> I just rewatched it. Actually, it's 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 such a fun <laughs> film. It's ridiculous. I love it. It's so ridiculous. But sorry, did you just rewatch it too? The third one, yeah. Oh, the third uh, one. Oh, I don't even. I don't even know if I've seen that. I think the last one I watched was Vanilla Ice, and after that, I'd, I think that. Oh, was, that's Secret of the Ooze. That's two. That's Three two. is where they go back in time to ancient Japan. Oh really? Wow. They re- how many? How many of them <laughs> do they make? Uh, the well, the older ones are the st- three of them. The three um, of them. Okay. Now there's this, this fourth one, which is the Michael Bay like Shrek thing, right? Right. And okay. that's yeah, it's just funny because it's like when you watch the old ones, it's like no way. I mean, we we would probably appreciate it, but I don't know if current generations might appreciate that stuff. They might be like, "What the hell is this?" My daughter is uh, afraid of it. She she's just she, she doesn't like it. Yeah, she's she's afraid of it. But that's just her, though. You know, like I don't know. I was thinking to myself, what a crazy fucking wacky idea. It's so crazy that it works, you know, just the name yeah. itself. And so anytime I hear a really crazy name or I read a really weird script, I go, well, there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and I go, they pulled it off amazing because that's all I cared about as a kid. I was, it was like my crack. I was like, all I wanted was the toys and I wanted to do fucking ninja flips and shit. And, and so yeah. it, it like captured me as a kid perfectly. And I still, yeah. when I watch it now, I still get like 
I get kind of pumped up and I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, it's kind of fun and silly. Um, but it's very interesting. But you're saying, I'm sorry, the, the collective consciousness, the hive mind, I suppose, is that what you're getting on to? Yeah, releasing like, work? Yeah, once it's released into, you know, kind of the world or, or whatever, it's like people, especially with art, have their own experiences with that, that art, have their own experiences with, uh, or emotions attached to that art, like it's sub- art subjective at the end of the day, what, what people like, what people consider good, uh, and bad. It's like, obviously there's among the art community, there's like, you know, technical standards or there's like things like that, that, that I think they base what's good and bad off. But at the same time, you can look at, I think not all art adheres to that. Cause a lot of those standards might be f- based on, you know, production art or, or films or things like that. But then when you look at certain fine art, it's like some people think that's more art or, or, or higher art. And they'll look at production art as sort of like a low standard for art or something. It just depends on your, yeah, with comics too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. They did that with comics and now comics are kind of becoming this prestigious thing because, you know, like Frank Miller's cover sold for fucking, I don't know. 600,000 or something like that. So when, when it's usually when money comes involved with it, you know, people start putting appointing value to things. And I think once they appoint value and people actually start making money, the, the attention uh, is different. It shifts. It becomes something yeah. else, you know, uh, I, yeah. back to Gumroad, I would argue that learning is also subjective because growing up in school, I, I, I was a visual learner. I didn't do well with, uh, I, I didn't do well in school because I didn't, I didn't comprehend things the way that other kids did or that the way they were teaching stuff. Um, and so I had to kind of come up with my own methods of like how I was going to learn and memorize things or, uh, you know, take tests and all that. And I would argue it's the same with art. It's like some people are going to learn you know, with one method or one, one way of teaching, but then I think other people can learn, or I think you can learn in other ways too. It just depends on how you learn and what you, what you kind of, uh, need to comprehend information. Cause a lot of the time, I mean, when I was in school, I, in classes and stuff, it's like they drill stuff into you, but it wasn't until like the third or fourth time that, you know, maybe it would click or someone would say something who wasn't the teacher or wasn't, you know, it wasn't even in a classroom. Someone would just mention something or I'd all of a sudden I'd see something or see someone else's work or something and it would click. And then it's like, Oh, okay. And at that point I feel like is when I actually learned it is when it, when it clicked, not when, you know, someone told me or any one specific person told me regardless of whether they're a teacher or not. So I don't know that I guess in my mind, like learning doesn't have to be, limited to I guess what people seem to be limiting it to but sure I agree 100% one thing that I recently heard in a in a debate or not a debate just a discussion with Neil deGrasse Tyson he was saying one thing that really assured me that I'm not a complete idiot because I'm hearing it from somebody that's actually really smart which is him uh, which I thought was kind of interesting for me as just learning in general is I don't have a very good memory and and I learn visually as well and 
what he was saying uh, that I thought was a great argument and very, very plausible argument is that somebody brought up the topic of being smart or you know, whatever. And he was saying that the structure or the system of schooling is really odd is to say that if somebody is really smart, they can test well or they can memorize something. That doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that they're intellectual. An intellectual person is a problem-solving, curious person person that and that's at least for me you know I, I find the most brilliant minds are the most curious minds and instead of just being you know content with with you know the status quo of solutions given to you by other people you go and discover your own and i think that's really where somebody thrives a human mind a, 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 an, an imaginative mind you know with the means to, to to try and seek their own truth i think that's really where knowledge comes from at least that's where i think because you got to really think of yourself like you know who who really stumbled upon these these practices that we you know are are encouraging the younger generation to use like calculus and all these kind of things and where do these things come from even if it's in the, within the art realm you know whereas um imagine the, the masters where they had to really hand mix their paints and, and find the pigment mm -hmm. pigments and stuff i mean we're so lucky we just go to the art store or we just like hit the eyedropper tool on a digital platform and we're instantly, you know, capturing things, you know, I would, it would be such a really curious and interesting thing to sit down with like Da Vinci and show him like, Hey, look at this, this is called Photoshop. And <laughs> I think they'd love it. Oh, they would. Think, of course they would. <laughs> if you showed Michelangelo Photoshop, uh, or hell, even, even Jerome, um, I saw in his exhibit of Jerome at the Getty like a few years back and he had like his paintings are incredible, but he had all the reference photos, uh, you know, for each texture and, and person and stuff in the paintings that he was doing. Perfect. Yeah. And I was just thinking like, you know what, if he had a, if he had a computer, I bet he would have just photo bashed it. <laughs> he photo bashed the shit out of it. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I would be a guy that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, would, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't even tripped out about that. Have you, did you hear about the whole thing? I don't, I hate to bring these things up because I, I don't know if I'm encouraging uh, any drama towards it, but I think it's a valid thing is even with like Craig Mullins, there was that recent like whole thing with that he had used a piece of a painting or something for something. Is there, is oh. there, a, is there a line between that? Did you hear about that? I heard about it. I didn't see the piece in question and I didn't quite, I don't think I quite understand what he did or what people were upset about mm. it. Well, well you, like just, I, you just used a piece of somebody else's painting in his painting, like his concept art, you know? Uh, okay. Somebody caught him on it. It's, it's pretty big. I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like. So not using a photo, but using a painting. Yeah. It's like, I'm gonna use some of your shit. No, <laughs> no I, I hear what you're saying though. It's it's that's what makes it really interesting. It's at least up for debate, you know. It's really odd. Yeah, I mean if I think I think here's the thing, in in the in the production art world or the concept community, I think that kind of thing is probably it's obviously taboo if people are upset about it. But if you were in the fine art world, that would be like not a big deal at all. Like that happens all the time in oh yeah in fine art and uh they get away I from remember, like crazy shit in fine art <laughs> yeah i remember actually when i got out of school there was a a guy who was going to hire me to do charcoal drawings of these ads that he took out of a magazine and he was going to you know pay me like something like 500 bucks or something a charcoal drawing and 
when I went to meet with him, I was sort of like, oh, like, what's the, what, you know, how does this, how does this work? Like, do you, are you going to sign your name on my charcoal drawing? And maybe this was me being naive or something, but like he, he, that's basically what he was going to do. He was going to like sign the drawing that I made. And <laughs> I, I just wasn't cool with that. I was oh, like, you know, what the like, fuck? <laughs> I was like, I don't think I'm okay with this. And we had this huge fight and I stormed out and I didn't end up doing the job, but that's obviously in Good that, in that world though, that, that he lives in and that, that sort of work exists in, it's like, obviously that's, that's okay. Or maybe no one knows that's the way it went down. But um, That happens a lot, though. People take credit for other people's work quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's shitty for sure. I That's why I guess I'd be curious to see what he actually did or how he used it. And I don't, you know, not to... Sure, it's on the internet somewhere. And I don't want to stir the pot either because, you know, I mean, you never know the situation. He could possibly be in a tight crunch and, he, and not to say that there's a reason or it's excusable or whatever. You, people have their own opinions. For me, it's, it's, uh, it depends on the job really, you know, and it depends yeah. on what it is. Then they, you know, that argument could go towards like, Hey, well, what if he just used a piece of your design and he just put it in there and then he got paid for it. Basically mm-hmm. using like a quarter of his painting is your work, but he's getting paid for it. And, you know, like that kind of, it gets in a weird realm. It really does, you know, and it, it maybe leads. He's... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, maybe he's way ahead of the game because I remember didn't people get upset at him when they found out he used photos like years, of, years ago? <laughs> yeah. So maybe he's, he's like using like paintings. So, yeah, he's so far ahead of all of us. It's like in 20 years we'll be like, man, yeah, that's all. Of course I'm. painting painting bashing what are you doing (laughs) yeah that's possibly it as well you know like it it, i think it could also just be necessity and timing and you know and just generating imagery and stuff and and when you're that if you're if you're studied by the public eye that incredibly close you got to be very cautious of what you're using you know like I even, I think I remember Miche was getting shit because of the zebra or something. There was like a zebra piece or something. They're like, oh, look at this, this is the zebra photo. They, they found the original photo or something. Oh, and it's yeah. like, well, you know, what the fuck? You know, what did you, do you think that he should sit there and pixel fuck a zebra to life and spend a month on it? Would you rather that or him spend all the time really perfecting a mood and feel of lighting for a whole level? You know, so it's just... I guess it's just per, I, I think it's per topic and that's what makes it really tricky, you know? And, and I think yeah. if you have, I think if people have their best interest in it and they're not really trying to be dicks, but that's really what I think what fucks it up is, is art is usually most of the time, at least for me and you, I bet you would agree is, is a lot of it's personal, uh, whether it is commercial or not, you're, you're, you're pulling from within yourself and, and you're pushing it out towards the world. Mm-hmm. And it gets really tricky when you're getting, you know, paid for it and you're making a living off of it and you're putting your kids through college doing it. Um, It gets tricky. It really does, you know. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of weird gray area. And I think ideally, if I was to be a hippie and talk about, you know, (laughs) my goals as an artist are where I think it should be is that we should just be able to, to, to be ourselves and create and generate things, you know, and it should be... You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm tapping into some weird stuff here, but it's just I find it to be interesting as all. You know, in the system, and I and I think that's why that we have these weird things that happen. You know, 
it's not ideal, but it, I think most of the time it's due to, to um, you know, the the impact of money and the marketing and all that kind of stuff, you know, so. Yeah. It's very tricky. I, I've had this conversation with uh, some of the guys at work too, especially in relation to uh, The Last of Us because it was, you know, it's like they're trying to go for, you know, realism and, uh, you know, photorealism and all that. Uh, but we would kind of, when we'd be working on stuff, we'd be like, you know, like one, why would I try and make up something when this thing already exists and it's way cooler than the thing that I would probably make up, you know, so you're going to take elements of, of something where like there's a way that foliage is growing over something or there's a way that, you know, you're, you're basing something off of something real, some, some place in the world. And it's like, yeah, this place is already awesome. Like I, I would love to explore that or just, you know, add, add some touches to this place or this photo or this thing and, you know, kind of comp composite them all together. And it's like, make something that's almost more unique than what you'd come up with from scratch because it's, you're pulling from so many different, different things and different, different uh perspectives if that makes sense yeah absolutely does to me i get it it's it's you know it's it's you're you're generating something else you know by just yeah. by it's you know if you look at time and your effort and you think about the ripple of effects that you cause to something it becomes it becomes something completely different because your effect on it you know it's just yeah. that's the law of nature really it is you know it's like uh, and your, your energy you know and I'm at a point now where I actually, I'll go and do photo shoots, like specifically for paintings. Like if I know that I'm going to be, you know, painting something and I can go out and actually photograph it first uh, and capture that, that real thing for the purpose of like, you know, the, a realistic uh, game, then I'll do it. And I'll, ha you know, I'll ask people to, you know, pose in a specific gesture because I want to get that that realism. And I think there's something almost interesting to that when it comes to actually creating the work uh, or the image that it's like you're, you're capturing these, these various states of, of reality and then sort of blending them together to create a new like moment or, or place. Um, and I think a lot of the one thing that I should say is like, I don't, I don't go around saying that I make digital paintings or I don't, I don't even really consider them paintings. I kind of just consider it a digital image or it's image making, um, at least for me personally. So sure. I don't know if that changes people's opinions on it or, or. Well, yeah, okay. I think, well, you're classifying it under, under something that isn't the same as, as painting. Basically it's a little bit different. It's image creation though, you know, image generation. Yeah. I think also there's a, there's another debate is if like, let's say in film design, right? why would you make a painting to influence a film unless it's going to be, I mean, I guess it, it goes two ways because I've seen like the Wachowskis, they collaborate with Jeff Darrow and he generates like these crazy, beautiful, elaborate pencil drawings that then influence the set design. So it's kind of, but that's the stylized world that they're going for. But if you're, say if you say you're working with Michael Mann and he's like, okay, I have this final scene and I want to have a realistic approach to this final gun shootout. Not that he would, but why, you know, but anyways, he, he, say he hired you, wouldn't you want to use references of photos? Because knowing Michael Mann in general too, like 
his approach to realism. So as, yeah. as if you look at it as the approach of just what the project is, what it's going after, or The Last of Us, which is trying to mimic photo reality. I, I brought it up before in, in Mache's podcast, actually, as well. Is one of my favorite photographers is Gregory Crudson. When I saw, oh, that's awesome. he's phenomenal. When I saw, when I saw your guys work on The Last of Us, I was like, ah, oh, this is great. It's just like Gregory Crudson all over the place. It's fucking phenomenal because it's all about using light to tell a story, using light to sell a mood, using light to generate an emotion, and that's what his that's what his work was all about to me. And I saw it in your guys' illustrations as well. Are we were you familiar with Greg's work um, prior to the project? I found out about him while I was on the project. Oh, uh, yeah. That someone, I think it was actually probably Mache that kind of sent, I think he did a documentary on Netflix. I forget what it's called, but. Cool. Um, that was for me then. Yeah. That's for me. But yeah. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's awesome. I it's remember so watching great. it and just being like, holy crap, this guy's pretty incredible. Um, yeah. And the, you can't really appreciate I would say if you like Google search him, you can't appreciate them as much as if you watch the the documentary because you see yeah. how meticulous he is, like, <laughs> and and the setup that went into them is like it's like a film. Yeah, it's 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 um, it's the most elaborate film shot that you could get. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like that's partially I think what encouraged me to start doing more photo shoots of things because. Mm-hmm. I not only have more control, but also uh, it could be a little bit more, like I guess, personalized. Where I could then it like by me taking the photo, by like me finding, you know, something in in my reality or my experience that I could then take in and, and put into it. It's like, well, it's it's just that much more. Uh, Your intent, a, a part of it, yeah, my yeah. intent or just my my personal experience being put into the piece rather than sort of a hodgepodge of people around the world and their their experiences um but yeah, i don't know someone i remember uh my first gumroad video the only complaint that i got from this one guy was that uh i called it a digital illustration and he was like you're photo bashing and i didn't want to get into it with him uh but i would just sort of apologize i was like oh sorry like yeah, just just to let you know, all my videos will be that way. Like they're going to be photo bashing, or there's going to be some element of that in there. Um, but I thought it was interesting that, like, to me, the word illustration doesn't doesn't mean painting. Um, to me, an illustration could be anything from like a collage to a painting to you know pencil drawing to like any number of things. Um, so I think in some cases, similar to with painting, it, it gets into like sort of the uh, semantics of it, of like what what people are perceiving the, these words to be, which is why I'm careful not to call it a painting because I know people will disagree right off the bat. Well, let's but look I would, at I what would, that means then. You know, if we look up the word illustration, it there's a couple of things that are here that are really in the gray zone, which is an example of instance that helps make something clear, a picture or a mm-hmm. diagram that makes... Uh, that helps make something clear or attractive. That's what it. Mm-hmm. That's what it's defined based off of our language, you know. So, right. What is that person really trying to tell you? That doesn't, you know. Maybe my picture wasn't clear, and that's what I was upset about. 
Uh, well, I don't know. I wasn't there, but you know, like, yeah, we're, I mean, a lot of our talk so far has been about this gray zone of what's what, and does it really matter for me? It doesn't because it's about the mood and you capture the mood. So I don't really give a shit how you got there. You know, like it doesn't matter to me if like you've broken your back and your fingers are all raw from like drawing it, you know, that's mm-hmm. cool. And that's awesome. And I appreciate that. There's guys like Otomo that do that kind of shit. And the world's made for those kind of people too that do their thing, but at the same time, it's you know it would be interesting to see Otomo work eyes you know right next to you on The Last of Us, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, wh- how would be, that be, you know? Yeah, it would. Uh, it'd be awesome. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. <laughs> it'd be amazing. Of course, uh, just because you'd have that voice, but yeah, I've you know I I don't know. I guess it just you know I guess it gets really. It gets messy, you know, with that thing and whether somebody's saying that it is or isn't something. Um, I guess if you're pure about your intention, where you're going, I think that's really what matters, I suppose, you know. So, but yeah, it's a tricky one. It's very tricky. And it's good that this is up to to debate, I think, because it, it gives more attention to it, which therefore, like, creates something beyond itself, you know. So mm-hmm. people are questioning it or seeing what's right or what isn't because it's been a, an enormous uh impact on the art community as of lately you know like mm-hmm. my friend aaron beck basically you know like he's a talented artist and a crazy imagination but without the use of photos it would be challenging for him to convey what he was going for as fast as he does you know definitely photos are his bread and butter combining them but i but I guarantee you, you put somebody together with that, they wouldn't ever come up with the same imaginative ideas and silhouettes as him. So, yeah. you know, does it matter? You know, so I don't know. It's just very tricky, very, very tricky stuff. Or are we just doing like a, uh, you know, are we are we in a vacuum and we're just kind of on a feedback loop, you know, generating images off images, which isn't generating anything new? Or is it? You know, so I think it is, but, you know, you I can see the debate. I think, I think a lot of it comes from... Uh, Either yeah, people's expectations or perceptions of of these things of you know whether it's paintings or education or or whatnot. It's just a matter of how people are defining them and what they expect from it and and uh, like how it exists in their world. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's fine. Yeah, I guess it's just terminology and stuff, and it just gets tricky, I guess, and a bit contorted when you start breaking it down into those things. But, you know, I think all in all, I think if anybody is trying to be a production designer or illustrate for film or video games or generate images, even if you're an illustrator for editorial magazine, um, as long as you're creating that, that sensational mood or that energy, I think you're doing it right. You know, whether, whatever you're doing with, however you're doing it, you know, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. This whole thing with art is just very interesting. It's always up for debate, you know, what makes good art. Recently, there was, like, the whole debate on, like, Picasso and all that kind of stuff, you know, like the endless debate on those kind of things, you know. I, yeah, I I remember not being a Picasso fan, and then I went to the Picasso Museum in... Uh... You have to have goggles for it. <clears throat> no, well, I just, I feel like my my lack of appreciation came from a lack of understanding. Yes. Of that's like what I mean. What goggles, he was doing. Yeah. 
Oh, oh okay. yeah, like art appreciation goggles, you know, like our like maturity yeah. goggles, you know. Yeah, because I I didn't uh, yeah I didn't I didn't get it, and then I realized someone was like, oh yeah, he's drawing the object from all sides, and that's what that's how he gets those abstract forms and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's well, that's cool. Like he's drawing it as it is, not as how he's he's trying to draw every part of it. Yeah, um, which I've. I actually found really interesting, and then I, when I was looking at his stuff, I'm like, oh, that's interesting that he managed to turn that concept into this sort of graphic composition, um, and certainly as an idea that had never been done before, and it was just, you know, I all of a sudden was like, oh, yeah, he's pretty cool, like, you know, I still prefer, you know, Jerome or, or uh, you know, representational, or I guess that's... Picasso is still representational in, in a way, but uh, you know what I mean, like in terms of the... Uh, well, it's his, 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 his soul that you're seeing, you know, it's like his voice, you know, rather than like mimicking or like a Rembrandt basically, which is like, Rembrandt to me yeah. is like like a really amazing DOP, like a person that yeah. can really push the mood, like make you feel that fucking scene, you know, like really get you to your soul. Uh, Rembrandt's work is like that for me. He was like, you know, like a Roger Deacon or something of his time, you know, like just really able to capture that the essence of something but he's representative you know he's representing the reality so yeah yeah I, you could argue that all art's representative i guess and yes of something whether or not it's someone's personal vision or their concept or, or yeah. whatever a friend of mine was just showing me this artist that has cancer on his pineal gland in his mind in his brain and uh, his work, you know what the pineal gland is? A little no. So I guess, apparently there's this little gland up in the front. I'm totally butchering this. Probably uh, in your brain there's this this little gland. It's very small, like the size of a peanut. But supposedly when you do like DMT or any um, kind of these mind-expanding drugs, it, it swells and, and, and that's what kind of causes this, like, this flux fluctuation <laughs> of different chemicals, reactions in your mind. But... um. Anyway, I'm totally messing it up, but it's it's supposedly like the third eye, like your your the next dimension of your mind's like imagination or whatever. But um, this guy has cancer on it or near it or around it or whatever. But um, he has this really interesting way of seeing things. Um, and I was looking at his paintings. I just it was interesting looking at them because the way he sees images, which which is kind of yeah, it was just kind of a trip. What's his, what's his name? Let me Google. Know. Let's Google this. Uh, Google um, artist cancer pineal gland. And I have to, I have to better <laughs> get the pineal gland explanation down a little bit better. Um, let's see. Oh, here it is. I think this artist got. Oh, whoa. Yeah, it's fucking nuts, huh? It's like he's a. Yeah. It's like it. I don't know if you've seen the. I'm. I just sent you a link. It's is. It's like uh. If you've seen the film, um, Enter the Void, kind of. That um, movie's nuts. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. It was kind of a trip. Wait. So is this? This is his representation of what he sees going on. I'm assuming reality, so. Or you never know, like, right? I'd have to talk to him and ask him like articulate questions to understand it. But and I haven't read this. This article right here, but uh, he hasn't done DMT intentionally um, or anything. But this is what he's getting from his experience. I guess this is what he sees. Huh. Yeah. So the colors are really interesting, though. 
you know, like the play on blues and greens and, and all that stuff is really interesting. Um, but it's, it's like very flat and more and, and mural looking too. So I don't know. It's just, it's fascinating. Our minds are just fucking amazing. It's fascinating. And how we connect our hands to our eyes as a tool and grab different instruments and convey emotion and, you know, all the way from conveying the look and scene of a, of a level on a game all the way to conveying emotion in a painting on a mural that you do for free through the night just to, to show the waking public, you know, what the, <laughs> just to trip them out, you know, you never know. It's just and all the way to film and generating content. It's just, fuck, it's crazy. And to think about where we're going next with the VR and all that stuff, the altered realities and stuff. It's just, fuck, it's crazy. It's really going to get really crazy coming up here soon. I'm really excited for it. Me too. Are you, do you embrace technology and stuff? Oh yeah. I love it. Uh, I, a while ago I had the, I got my hands on the Oculus Rift and it was like, it wasn't the HD one or anything, but, um, the first one, like the dev kit one. Yeah, and even that, I was just, there was like a, they had all these free apps for it, or, or games, or experiences, and there was one where you were an eagle, basically just flying over like Google Maps, um, like the 3D Google Maps, where they added like, uh, you know, like dimension to the the satellite view. Yeah, and relaxing you, and stuff. Yeah, it was the coolest thing ever. I just put on like Phil Collins and flew around for like two hours, and it was awesome. Uh, so the better that gets, the more that you know looks real or even looks just you know really good and stylized or something. It's it's going to be awesome. Um, it's it going to be. It's the way we're going to consume things in the future. It really is. Yeah, we're all going to be. It's like it reminds me of that video by Pearl Jam. Uh, the animated one, I think it was. Ah, God, what was that? Let me look this up. Is um, it an old video of theirs? Yeah. Uh, While you're searching for that, I'll tell everybody that w- was listening to the conversation earlier. Is the artist with the pineal gland thing? Is is his name is Sean Thornton, T H O R N T O N. Check his art out. It's pretty trippy. It's crazy. Yeah, maybe we can get him on the podcast. It'd be interesting. Crazy yeah. ass shit. There's a couple of dudes that do some really crazy stuff I've seen. It's one guy that paints like ten by ten squares and he's creating like this crazy topographic map. But he does like these acrylic paintings, one a day or two a day or something, and he's creating he just connects one painting to the next one and he just keeps building on it. So at the Whoa. end of like a year he'll have like this three hundred and sixty you know, pieces that are ten by ten. This huge, like fucking crazy thing that he's just trippy, super trippy. I love that kind of shit because he's just these people are well at least that guy he's just doing it in like in his basement because he that's what he wants to do like he's not watching football or yeah. you know, like he's just he's possessed to do it and a lot of the times the best art is from possession yeah sure but, sorry you were saying um, uh, uh, oh there's a pro jam, jam video yeah. it's do the evolution the music video for that it has like it just has this like extreme sort of timeline of uh, of human evolution and then it ends up with just like endless cubicles with people hooked up to computers through their nose and mouth and shit and oh some matrix it, it just, shit yeah pretty much yeah it's like the matrix it's, you know, let me send you this uh, if you watch the show black mirror I, re- I preach it all the time because it's yeah awesome. 
But she actually passed that on to me. Yeah, probably. that's me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, everything good for Miss Shay is from me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> the um, let me send this to you real quick. This image, it's like a breakdown of the uh, the video, just that part of the video. But hmm. um, oh yeah, I remember yeah, Black this. Mirror. The that I watched a few of the episodes. One was the. TV personality cartoon one. Yeah, the, the Waldo. Was, That's the most tame, t- tame one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite one was the uh, the the hunters one, where the people were coming after that white bear. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Well, don't don't say, white, don't say, don't don't. No, say no, no, no. Yeah. I'm not gonna spoil it, but that was that. <laughs> it's one. called White Bear. It's fucking awesome. Season two, episode two, I think. Yeah, that was uh, that was the first one I saw, and uh, I was, uh, did it fuck your brain? <laughs> a little, yeah. I was just like, wow, that was. Um, it just made me. It just raised a bunch of questions, and for myself, where I was like, what yeah. would I actually be okay with? Yes. Because I like obviously the knee jerk response is like, well, I won't say anymore. I don't want to spoil it, but go watch sure. it. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I haven't. I need to watch the other ones because I haven't. Um, you should. There's there's six of them so far. I think they're working on the next season. I think Charlie Broker is his name, the writer. He's he's, he's pretty big out in the UK from what I understand. And he's mm-hmm. got some really great things. He's got a couple shows prior to this one as well. But he's the this <clears throat> it's a bit preachy uh, in the negative sense, but at the same time it's kind of like a like an Aesop fable or something to me where it's, you know, what could be possibly the, the reality of of all this you know, technology and its influence on us and where we're heading. And it's kind of dark. It gets kind of fucked up, you know? Like, I I actually met with the Oculus people and talked to them about it. Um, It's pretty interesting, you know? It's very interesting to think about where this is all going, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, whether whether people are ready for it or not, it's just going to get... I think, you know, it's like anything. You invent the gun and, of course, people are going to shoot people and they're going to use it for harm, but then they're also going to you know, uh, protect their family or, you know, hunt animals to, to provide for their family or whatever, you know, so yeah. there's a good and a bad thing. I just think with this, I don't think we're we're going to be aware of how powerful this is going to be because, I don't know, I look at my kid and I look at other people and then when they watch TV, they're plugged in. I just can't imagine when they're fully immersed, it's going to, they're going to be wearing diapers again, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's going to get, yeah. it's going to get really fucking weird, but one thing for me that's interesting about the Oculus is that, you know, in my mind, when I first got my hands on it, I was like, oh, cool, games are going to be awesome. But then I watched a video where they're talking about it, and they were kind of like, yeah, no, like, it's going to change how you interact with movies. There's all sorts of potential for, like, uh, you know, if not physical therapy, but, like, mental therapy type things. It and should like, be. Yeah, like, I all these different avenues it's going to open up i think because it's like yeah what about people who you know need to just i think to the scene in uh danny boyle's sunshine where they go into that room yeah i love that part yeah and it just like the one guy has like the waves and the other guy has birds flying around and stuff like that and it's like imagine if they developed some software like that where you put it on and it becomes linked up to your like subconscious and you can based on your mood it'll it'll try and either emulate that or, or give you something to to combat that or whatever. Like, I don't right. know. That's right. Maybe that's, no, that's maybe exactly that's bad, where it's going, it's, dude. Yeah. Well, it sounds you, cool to me though. Like anything it's going to, you're going to, you know, 
people will say that humanity is bad and we're bad for this planet and blah, blah, blah. And we're unnatural. But if you really think about it, we're just as natural as anything else here. It's just that we're naturally made to fuck the shit up. We're just now becoming cautious of our own of our own demise, basically. You know, we're realizing that, hey, like this stupid thing that we've created, this currency based off of effort is ruining the fucking environment because we can't stop consuming and we're consuming at a rate that doesn't make sense and we're replicating like self self replicating at a rate that just it's not going to sustain itself you know so i think that we're we're getting aware of that but by using these things as a tool to get help people be more empathetic or therapy that's exactly it man that's really where it's going to be used for good you know, allowing people to be understanding of things. I, I see it really briefly. I see a wink of it in television now where you have a relationship with the character for so much longer than you would in movies. And people are interacting with television a lot more where, you know, like look at like, um, these are just fictional stories built off by people's imaginations, but like Walter White, for example, and, and Breaking Bad and these six seasons of, I think it was six seasons, but it's a lot of, a lot of showtime, right? You get a lot of experience, but so there are some times when I'd watch these shows and I'd go like, yeah, that's fucked up. And I'd go, and, and, and then there would be something that happens like with a friend or something where they kind of do something fucked up and I go, Ugh, that's gross. You know, like I'm, I've already lived that experience by watching this guy on television in a weird way. It's very, it's very subtle, but I'm very aware of that reaction. Is that, is that good or bad in your eyes? I think it's good because it's, 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 it's knowledge, right? I think I, I never steer away from knowledge, whether knowledge is through an experience or a lack of experience or watching a tutorial of somebody or watching somebody's experience. I love watching documentaries as well. Um, so I think for me, knowledge is power. You can have, I, I would, if I could just sit down all day and just observe and, 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 and take knowledge in from the world, that's, that's what really, that'd make me really happy, you know, just learning about everything. And I think that, by using that, um, I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting thing, I, and I think you know. Obviously, in order to 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 live is to learn and to and to do. You can't live necessarily through everybody else, but I think a certain part of you should be able to, you know. And I think that's really where it's going to come of this. The problem I think might be a big problem, at least psychologically, is that you're not necessarily stimulating your brain and going through the motions of doing these things, you know. Unless you actually are, and then it could be, you know, but, you know, the whole thing from Matrix, like, I know Kung Fu, like, is that going to be a possibility? And what's the point of even knowing Kung Fu if you can learn it that fast, you know? Mm. It's fucked. <laughs> these, yeah. are, these are questions that we should be definitely asking ourselves now because it is literally upon us. It's coming, and it's going to be happening at a very, it's much faster than I think people are aware of, you know? And, uh, you know, I look at films and movies and, and a content creator myself and, and everybody that I talk with, you know, it's got to be aware of where this all this is going, you know, and be aware of what you're going to be doing and how you're going to be helping making something great, you know. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a trip. Don't mind me. I get on my rants about this stuff because it's I just find it to be fascinating, you know, so. No, it's cool. It's I enjoy uh, just kind of listening to it all unfold. Yeah, it's going to be really what interesting. What do you think about it? Yeah, I, I, there's a book too that I just recently, it's a science fiction book and I just finished it. I, I really enjoyed it. It was um, it was called Ready Player One. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I haven't read it, but I've heard the name. I've been um, on audiobooks. It's really good. What's it about again? It's uh, 
It's kind of like a Willy Wonka thing, I thought. I, I related, and Willy Wonka is one of my favorite stories. Um, but it's, it's just this, it's, it's later in the future, the world's fucked, you know, basic things, you know, we're overpopulated and the, the, the planet's fucked. And uh, you got this younger, you got this guy who's created this, uh, this world inside of the VR experience, basically, where most of the population live. Um, you know, virtually, basically, where the, where education takes place and all these things. Anyways, he dies, but he leaves this Easter egg inside, buried deep, 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 deep inside this universe. And he says, mm-hmm. anybody that's you know can find it will inherit my billions and billions of dollars of wealth. And so this one kid, he's, he's just seeking it out, and it's about his journey. And it's 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 a fun journey. It's 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 got some f- funny, silly moments. It's crazy um, for me, and I'm sure for you as well. You're I'm an '80s kid, so like it's a lot of nostalgia, and you know, there's like films like War Games that comes up, and all these other kind of references nice. to the past, which is a lot of fun. And um, yeah, it's just it's a really fun fun ride. I highly suggest checking it out because it's it's interesting, and I also think that it's fictional, but there's there's touches of reality, possible realities, people making <laughs> and constructing worlds, you know, where people live um, virtually, and how you know. What is it? What does race matter in the world that's virtual? What you know? What does your skin color matter? It doesn't. You know, it's you, you're constructed out of something completely different. It's imaginative, you know, and and then it also comes from what is an imagination and and who's content? Who's the content creator? You know, and so it's just it's fascinating shit, man. And it's just proof that we might be actually in a simulation. I think it's just kind of like this weird feedback loop you know like oh damn we're finding ourselves in a simulation and we could kick back around you know so <laughs> but yeah if, if uh that's true then i want to fly now <laughs> well, <laughs> you get pretty close to it i think you know in our lifetime i think we'll be able to experience it pretty close um, yeah. there's i just a friend of mine sent me a link to these guys that use the oculus and they went on a roller coaster and they mapped the roller coaster out and then you put the oculus on while you're on the roller coaster and you can go through like, you can be like riding this flying horse thing and like flying around and stuff. Oh, wow. So imagine a real world thing, but instead of looking at like a shitty like park and like LA smog and stuff, you're, you're in like a whole different world. So you're feeling it, but you're That's seeing something different. Yeah. So it's, it's just kinda like, uh, it's kind of like when the rumble pack came out for N64. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. That's it's like a... the next the next level yeah you think i mean it's 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 always like one little step right it's always like one little step it's very rare that technology comes out and it's just like hey fuck you all or we're gonna do something completely different and here it is and it's gonna be so good you guys can't it's like when the iphone and all that stuff kind of dropped you know it's like all right this is a game changer kind of thing technology and stuff but i feel like it's to me right now it feels like what the game boy was and it's just going to become this really crazy experience, I think. I think it's still rough now, and I think they're still working it out. There's lots of weird things that happen to your mind and your body. Your equilibrium gets thrown off. There's all these kind of weird things that happen. And there's a lot of the weird things that they have to really be aware of so they don't make people sick when they create these experiences. You know, For me, I'm yeah. good at it because I think I can... I understand that I'm outside of my body, but I think because I have that imagination. But for most people that don't, if you go, if you put your head and eyes and your in your ears into this experience and it's flying, you're gonna fall over. You know, like you're not gonna be prepared <sighs> for it, or it throws you off. You throws your equilibrium off. Therefore, it sends signals and fucks your head up, and then you get sick. You know. I yeah. When I would 
play it. I could play for about 40 minutes, like the Half-Life. Uh, Half-Life 2, someone made it mm. compatible with that. And I could play for about 45 minutes before I felt like I was going to vomit. <laughs> and then... uh That's a big problem. Like, yeah, like, and I was, I was thinking to myself, like, no, I, I'm gonna, I, I can handle this. I've been playing games my whole life, whatever. Like, I'm gonna be fine. And I mm. still, like, I got really ill because I kept playing. And uh, that's gonna be the biggest problem, I think, for them. Because well, even somebody they, like yourself, I, you, even you, you know. I think they they solved that already with the next one with the high res and the late, low latency or whatever they did to it. Yeah. I haven't tried it yet, but I want to. It's pretty good. Um, it still, it still has growth to go, though. You know. Definitely. Yeah. It'll it'll be something crazy in like 20, 30 years. It's going to oh, be, well, yeah. everyone's going to have one. And then, you it'll, know. It'll be like phones, you know, it'll be commonplace. You know, there'll yeah. be aut- autonomous vehicles and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very scary to think about, you know, guys like Hitler on the virtual space, you know, like what is, <laughs> what is a mind like Hitler? How can he, you know, like it's, it's fucked. It's, it's in it, and it, people are listening probably like, what's wrong with Ash? But at the same time, you gotta be, ask, you gotta be asking yourself these questions, right? I mean, shouldn't you? The only thing that really held Hitler back from destroying and dominating the world was his ability to get his hand around the world, you know? But if you can get on to this weird level where you can reach people throughout the world, I mean, that's fucked up. It's going to be really fucked up. So, Clockwork orange kind of shit. Clockwork orange kind of shit. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, even these things brought up were brought up in, in, in the film, like Donnie Darko, for example. I don't know if you remember that, but there's a scene where him and his girlfriend, they're, they're, they have a project in science class, and they, they generate these ideas for these these infants to wear these goggles when they grow up to um, put these goggles on for a little bit to like learn and see images. And one of the kids is like, what if they put on like fucked up shit and it totally fucks up the kid? What if that happens? You know, these yeah. are like interesting things to think about, you know? And yeah, it's just, it's a trip. Yeah. It's really, it's a trip to, to really think about, you know, and, and think about what, what really moves the human mind. What, what seems to be moving people now, where, where, where things go, uh, you know, violence and war and things, a continual story, you know, like all those kind of things. It's just really interesting. So I don't know, for me, it's, it's, I think it's fascinating. And I think it's really, we should really all be questioning these things, not in a sense where we should be abolishing them. I think we should embrace them, but I think we should, we should be aware of its power, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You got to be conscious of the things you're putting out into the world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm drawing like stupid shit, you know, (laughs) I always think of myself too, when I, when I try to get on my high horse and I go, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, I have nothing to say. I'm not contributing (laughs) anything to this. I should shut up, you know? So, (laughs) but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's interesting to observe, you know? So, but yeah. And especially when we regard what we do within entertainment and stuff and where it's going, it's just very, it's very interesting stuff, man. It's just fascinating. What's, I I always find it interesting uh, to see what people consider like entertainment. Yeah. Um, because a lot of entertainment is like, you know, especially in America, it's like really violent and in other parts of the world, it's, I mean, a lot of Korean films are really violent too and, and yeah, stuff like crazy that. Crazy like, violent. Whew, man. But it's like, you know, they're, it's like, that's, that's entertainment. That's, that's fun. Or like even, uh the concept of like a, a video game, it's like, it's a game but what do you do in, in these games or what are you doing in that game? And it's like, it's considered an entertaining game 
you know, for fun. Meanwhile, like there's tons of shit going on like that in reality that isn't fun, but yeah. Um, not to say, not to say that I don't enjoy those games. I do, but it's (laughs) just interesting to me that like, sometimes I'll stop when I'm playing certain things and I'm like, wow, this is a, this is a game. I'm finding this entertaining. Why? Um, you know, but that's just what, the way it is. Yeah. Like we could, we could get into it, but it's like, oh, it's just sort of, yeah. I think it's like, it, I guess it just depends on the user. You know, I was watching this documentary with uh, Todd McFarlane and he, he was, you know, constantly getting attacked by the public because he was generating some pretty negative, like odd shit in the comics and kids were, you know, like eating it up. And spawn he, or something? Yeah, or? Spawn and that stuff, you know, where just, he was originally generating like comics for Spider-Man and stuff and he went off to do a Spawn thing and there's some crazy stuff and it's based off of like Todd's fears and stuff. I mean, I'm just guessing, you know, his own, his own, his own feelings and emotions about the world and just shitty people and what he would want to do with them, you know? It's a really cool documentary. It's called uh, The Devil You Know. I think it's called uh, Todd McFarlane. I watch it every other month or so because it's just, I find it fascinating. But, um, he was saying, like, he was on an interview. It's just like a ex, like a just like a little blurb from an interview that he was doing. And he asked a kid in the audience. He said, "Hey, do you think that this thing is is? Do you think this thing is real?" And he's like, looking at, at drawings like this lizard with guns and stuff. He's like, the kid's like, "No." He's like, "Do you realize this is a comic book, right?" And the kid's like, "Yeah." And so I think what he was trying to show is like, dude, the kids know this is fucking fake. Like, get off my ass about it. But it's the sure. it's the one kid that doesn't. It's the one kid that takes something seriously. There was this one film I watched that a lot of people hated, but I thought it was interesting, and I thought it was well done because of what it was. Uh, Kevin Smith is a big; he loved the shit out of it. It was called the, the, the Dirties. But oh, was, I saw the trailer for that. I didn't. I should didn't watch, watch it. it but, you should watch it. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, you know, people didn't like it, and I get why. I think people are expecting like the Avengers quality on everything now. It's like you know, <laughs> it's not everybody's gonna have the Avengers quality on every film, or you know, like, so or like a Christopher Nolan approach to films. This is you know, not everybody can afford that level of craft. Craft, but I, there was something interesting about it. I'll just let you watch it, but it's you know, there was a psychological thing that I think happened, and I find it to be interesting in the in the dissolve of a character. In the, on the fringe of their own sanity, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't know. But I guess it depends on, on somebody's mental awareness and, 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 you know, I think it's just mental awareness, really, you know? And, and I think that's the concern. If you give it to somebody that isn't really aware of something or doesn't understand the values and how this is wrong, but it also could be that having all this simulated violence and going through it all the time could kind of like, it's like masturbation. It's like you're not having sex, so you're not able to be really violent. But you get it all, you get it out through masturbation or something. Like you get, you kill enough people or something simulated that you don't really need it. So it could, mm-hmm. it could possibly be holding off like a generation of ultra violent people. You know, so <laughs> you never know. I find it to be fascinating because, like, yeah, I, I call those things like like pew pew games, like pew pew. You know, like because that's what it is. Because <laughs> anytime I take it seriously, I just hear like just go like pew 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 pew, and it just like totally <laughs> takes the seriousness out of it instantly so but yeah i mean i i find that stuff it's certainly it's certainly uh is is a good like stress reliever at the end of the day or or whatever just to kind of get in but some sometimes it's more of like uh sometimes like a few games uh that i grew up with actually made me like just more pumped like i'd play it and then i'd get out of it and i'd have to go like go outside and run around or you know do something physical because i i was so like 
worked up, not in a bad way. Like sure. just, just, I was, you know, it, it got me worked up. Uh, what game was that? It was actually, it's my favorite game actually. Uh, Rainbow Six Vegas one. Um, I heard of that. It was, uh, it came out on the 360 and it was actually, it might've been because I played online mm. and I don't normally do that with games, but I find that when I get online, like I'm really competitive. <laughs> um, and that game was at the time, like the most realistic, I thought, uh, most realistic game out there. Rainbow and, six uh, is what it's called. Yeah, Rainbow Six Vegas. It's just a it's a first person shooter, and it came out around the same time I think as like Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Mm-hmm. But it was just it was a little more grounded and a little more uh, just more I don't know how to put it, but more vis more visceral in my eyes. But um, I would just I'd play it like it was the only game I actually owned for like a year um, when I got the console because I couldn't afford any other games and. I was just playing it all the time and um I would do push-ups in between rounds and like uh I just yeah I would work out simultaneously while playing the game. I just got so like into it or pumped and I'd be like yeah like so I, I don't know. I had that I have had a similar thing with 007 like on the oh, GoldenEye? GoldenEye dude. That game yeah. was, that was the shit man. That was like you remember that I was just talking about it with some friends the other day. It's like, don't look at my fucking screen. <laughs> they get all super yeah. violent about it. I remember playing it really religiously with a friend of mine. We taped cardboard on the TV so we couldn't look okay. at any other screen. <laughs> and we would get, we, yeah, we did. We were on a level of, God, he was so good. I hated it because he would just, but when I was able to get him back, it was fun. But then I think when I was, when I go back to that thought, I realized that it's, it wasn't about being violent. It was just the competitive nature of just, playing i suppose you know so realizing that it's not true i wouldn't want to go outside and like shoot him you know yeah it doesn't, I, that's not cool <laughs> it's, yeah it's interesting I, I actually think that it's fucked that not I mean, you just made me think of something else about the, about the um about rainbow six is that i think that maybe also that game might have had something to do with me like not being aggressive because at uh it was like around or after 9-11 and it was after much actually probably much after 9-11 but it was around the time i turned i think 18 when i could have joined the military and i think that game probably stopped me from among other things stopped me from joining the military Hmm. uh because i got that sort of release out of it and then (laughs) Oh, I God, also crazy. Yeah, like it just I was I mean I was pretty angry back then, but it was <laughs> uh, uh it was a it was a means for me to kind of get that out. And of course there was part of me that was like, yeah, like this is awesome. I'm, like it would be cool to do in real life, but then when I really would think about it, it's like, no, nah, and then my mom would cry and just be like, <laughs> fine, I won't join the military. And um were you considering it? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, part of me wanted to do it as well. It's interesting. It was for a lot of reasons. It wasn't just it wasn't just because I was angry at, at you know as a result of like nine eleven and stuff. But it was also that uh, um, I was in Boy Scouts as a kid and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed like the sort of camaraderie, camaraderie and, like, yeah. just that that lifestyle of like camping and kind of being out and and just physically testing yourself and 
there's like a number of reasons that I was really into it. And, uh, I just found, you know, that it was, I don't know, it just was something that interested me. And I don't know that games would necessarily, I don't, I don't think that games were actually the cause of me wanting to do it. I think if anything, they, they gave me an avenue to go instead of that. Um, but there's some fucked up shit that happens in the world. There's some real fucked up people. <laughs> and I think yeah. that there's, I mean, you know, there, a lot of people in countries around the world dislike Americans because of our involvement and how we put our, it seems like we put our, our nose in everything. Um, and I, I totally get that. I understand uh, people don't want a global police. But when people are cutting the tits off of women and, and murdering genocide of kids and shit, it's like, no, nah, no, nah, dude, <laughs> this isn't cool. You know, like this, this isn't stand. When, when, when shit like that, when I read about that stuff in the news, I, I don't want to sound like a dick, but I, the first thing I want to do is get violent against that, the people that are doing that because it's just like, dude, sure. you cannot do that. It's it, yeah. it, it hurts me because I'm a, I'm a I, I have a family, you know, and that hurts my like it's my soul to hear that those people are getting destroyed. You know, it's just like that's just not right, you know, and. uh those are the those are the only times I've ever felt like okay I maybe I should give my life and my body to an honorable thing, which yeah. is destroying <laughs> fucking cunts of the universe. You know, it's just, like, there's such shitty people out there, and but who am I to, to judge them? This is this is the world that they've been created in, and the violence is what they must know, and that's how they that's how they survive in a weird way. That's you know. We're we're neighbor to a very violent country, which is Mexico. There's like some of the craziest murder rates that oh, I've ever yeah. heard. I've heard that there's been more deaths in Mexico than like in our like a ton of our wars since like Vietnam yeah, or something like that. Like what the fuck are you? Like there's like deaths every day. There's just body counts, like crazy amounts of body counts, it's because of the corruption, the overpopulation, and just like just lots of shitty things are going on apparently so it's there's fucked. a movie i just watched on netflix called narco cultura and it's about uh like uh, i guess the subculture of, of music that is all about glorifying i don't know i don't want to misquote it or, or misrepresent it or anything but it seems like the point of the documentary was to show that they glorify violence and Sure. It was sort of a, a sort of a th- this particular subculture of of music in Mexico and in, I guess America as well. Um, uh, but it was interesting because, yeah, they touched upon that where there are so many, you know, murders and and whatnot or crimes based on the drugs and surrounding drugs and stuff down there that it's like they don't have the manpower to. Um, investigate all the crimes there's something some crazy number like 10,000 out of 10,000 crimes like they can address like 100 or something or yeah. something crazy like that it would need and, an army effort yeah it's crazy and, on, and all the people involved in you know the police force or the the detective uh branch are like constantly being threatened or killed yeah for doing that so like people just stop doing it and then it was following this one guy who was just like he was like, I'm not going to stop doing it. Um, wow. And it was just, yeah, it was crazy. What a fucking badass. Sheesh. Yeah. But he's, he's crazy. Cause like, he's like every time 
he drives to and from work, he's like worried that they're gonna roll up on him and and execute him. Wow, God! But it's it's crazy. It's like you know, it's like less than it's like a, I don't know how many miles away it is, but it's not very far away. Oh yeah, we're really close to it here. I'm in like I don't know. I'm like an hour away from the border, like TJ. Yeah, and and like I'm not trying to say that Mexico is a bad country at all. There, I've I've traveled down there most of my life. It's got some really amazing, beautiful pe- people, amazing culture, amazing food. Uh, just it's just a real shame that a lot of it's falling victim to this horrible corruption, you know. But like yeah. what I'm saying is is who am I to judge, you know? And that's where the where it comes into. But I, where where I get where I get um, patriotic or I get like crazy is usually when people are really fucking with humanity and it's like they're just killing people just to kill them and i just you know that's i think that's what made you know the 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 war against germany so such a powerful war it's what made the world that's why they call it the world war you know it's such an emotionally engaging a powerful war there was this there's this real true evil that you could see Mm. the actions of that evil now it's very weird it's gray you know it's who's doing what and there's all this conspiracy like the Taliban was like you know paid by the government of America and all these like weird things when you hear that it has to live in your head and you're like is that true is that just somebody fucking with me you know like and and then when you watch the video of these just citizens and these people and and they're they're jumping out of this building and you're like this is in America this is in New York this is an icon of 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 my country and it's just like man what a crazy I remember that day very clearly, and most people do. And it was just, God, it was a lot of emotions that day. It was a really, that whole week, too. It was just like, shit, man, this is fucked up. This is some really fucked up stuff that's happening. And it's right here, right now. It's crazy. Have you seen uh, Humans in New York? I've never seen that. that. It's on Facebook. Uh, This guy goes around. um, Humans in New York? Yeah, he he was photographing people around New York and just asking them about themselves, and they would give like anywhere from a sentence to a paragraph or a quote. Um, and now he's going around the world, but uh, it's really interesting because he basically he's basically kind of deconstructing the us versus them mentality with doing it because he's sure. personalizing random people and making making them appear human. Uh, and it's a lot of insight to, I forget where he is now, but, uh, it's just interesting to see how people survive in other parts of the world or how they, uh, you know, they're, I guess, I guess for lack of a better word, they're, they're people too. And that's not something that the media, well, becomes uh, numbers and shit, you know? Yeah, or especially, you know, you're looking at things and it's like, it's not, I think, at least for me, I feel like I was raised on sort of an us versus them mentality and that's certainly what sort of the society breeds in a way, but it's just an interesting, because from reading all the, like some of these, I haven't read a ton of them and I'm not super into it. My girlfriend's really into it and uh, I see it kind of through her, but the little that I have seen, I'm sort of like, it's, I feel like it's changed the way I actually uh, relate to people around me in my everyday life just because I'm more inclined to think like, well, where are they coming from or what's their story? Why are they 
this way? Why would they be inclined to do this or say these things? And it's like, I don't know. It's a really well, interesting. That's the that's that's the way I think you should. And that's a more mature intellectual approach to these things because there are reasons. And, you, and I think that's that's really when I get kind of caught up in my emotions and I realize that, you know, I'm just being emotional right now. And if you're being emotional, then you're not being rational and you're not thinking about something. And it's just, you can what you can basically do is perpetuate the cycle, you know, and you, mm-hmm. if, if the, you become the thing that you least like wanted to become, you know, I think that's really where the, the error and the issues come from. You know, there's another film about 9-11 that I thought was really interesting. It's a fictional film, um, but it, it really got me emotional. It's called Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Some people well, hated it, but it was interesting. It has Tom it. Hanks in it. It's just about this uh, this child who's got a, I think he's like got Asperger's or something. I can't remember, but it was just really interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, I recommend watching it. Extremely loud and incredibly close. But yeah, regarding that 9-11 and stuff, but it was more on a, a very personal, fictional story, but very personal and uh, it was really well done. And it was interesting. It wasn't necessarily propaganda. Um, it's just, you know, an emotional story, so... But yeah, that stuff's really interesting. But anytime I ever get like, like crazy, it's usually just due to people just being really shitty, you know, just mm. not valuing life, not valuing uh, people's lives and stuff. And I think at the end of it, it's usually just we're so overpopulated, and that's really where a lot of these things come down to. Is just there's so many people. If you think about when humanity started in tribes, and we became these working working cohesive kind of tribes basically where we had to stick together in order to survive and there was a lot of accountability but now it's just really weird with even in the internet you could just talk shit you know or even in cars you know people i see people acting like savages in their car and i'm like dude if we were standing together you would not do that you know so what makes you think you can do that dude (laughs) when you're in your little like metal shell it's not like i can't pull you out of there so (laughs) one that makes me think of a, a topic that's been pretty hot between uh, me and some friends and, and my girlfriend and stuff, but it's this whole uh, ordeal with how, how women are, are like portrayed in, in pop culture and then sort of the online response that comes of that from, I, you know, I'm assuming male male gamers and whatnot but there's like that recent thing oh, yeah <laughs> anita sarkeesian being you know threatened and has her uh what's this do you know are you familiar with anita sarkeesian she does like um like online videos of like tropes of women in gaming and things like that no i never even heard of it oh it's a it's interesting there's a lot of debate over like, i don't know if it's debate but it's just there's a lot of angry guys that uh aren't happy with, uh, I guess the things that she's saying about like their video games. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, but you know, I think she, she's bringing valid points. How she's presenting them might not be. Oh, she aggressive about it. I, I haven't seen all of her videos. I've only seen a few. Um, I think she could probably come off that way, but I, I think the bigger issue is that, you know, it's like not, not necessarily from her, but just from talking to, um, my girlfriend about it as well. Like we're getting into conversations about how, you know, 
how women are portrayed in media. And then when I go back and watch things that I loved as a kid, like, <laughs> like Indiana Jones or something, I'm like, yeah, you know God, what? Yeah. Like, women characters in that are pretty ridiculous. Oh, frail and just like just totally weak and shitty. <laughs> yeah, or they exist to you know just like kind of service the male characters in it. So it's it's been interesting. But the, you said something about how people say shit online, and it, what's really fascinating is that like the the online response to like her videos are like you get people just saying like fuck you I'm gonna the the most recent thing was some guy basically was like I'm, you know fuck you I'm gonna come to your house and kill you and rape you or something uh, like that and the cops can't do anything about it and uh, um, the accountability man it's just like uh, yeah like the, the fact and I was saying that I was like that's ridiculous because if someone said that to you you can bet your ass that I'd be you know, throwing a threat back at them, and then I'd probably get arrested for that because I don't think, like, since when did threatening people blatantly, man or female, like male or female, become acceptable or, or, or acceptable. yeah, yeah or, or like not an not an offense? It's like, especially in this case, it's like he straight up said, like, I'm going to kill you, and he's yeah. not going to trouble. Like that's the, to me, that's ridiculous. Yeah, they, um, they, yeah, that's really weird because you 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 go into an airport and you, you fart the wrong way, you get you know, in jail, you know? So it's just like, yeah. I think it's just, yeah, that's really weird. That's going to change. It's going to have to change. There's going to be a couple of things that's going to happen. Unfortunately, some people are going to lose their lives over it and there's going to be a system that's going to change that. But that's really gross. Yeah, it's terrible. That and guy's disgusting. What a gross person. Even, even if they're just joking, you know? It's just like, ugh. Yeah, but I mean, that's like one of like thousands. Of well, YouTube comments, right? So it's a YouTube thing. Uh, YouTube comments and just if you go on, like I go on N4G all the time and I'll occasionally click on the articles just to kind of just to read the comment the comments and stuff to see what people are thinking about it mm. and it's always just like it's pretty bad um, it's really bad like the shit that people say I'm, I'm actually like amazed because I never thought about this until you know some uh, until my girlfriend sort of brought it to my attention and I actually started to like look at into it on my own um because you know i grew up with fucking indiana jones and it's like yeah whatever <laughs> like that's the way the world is um yeah but it's really interesting to see kind of look at us though we've grown up with this stuff but we're not i'm not going like you know yeah fuck women they're supposed to be there washing my fucking dishes and stuff you know that's absolutely opposite i was raised by a single mother i have the most respect for women you know yeah well i mean we're you know yeah, we're we're on one side of the fence, but then there's sure. another side of the fence that I think is obviously people who are, and it I don't think it's a general. It's something that can be necessarily blanketed across, you know, all guys or all girls. But it's something that's like, it's there, and I'm noticing it now, and especially with uh, the comments. Next time you see one of those articles, like I'm gonna watch them because I'm curious. I, I you know I think that anything that is you know I'm curious to see her. Her direction and her and her, her her presence and because with these touchy subjects you'd be very cautious I think because if if you're if what you're trying to do is cause um, awareness and cause enlightenment of understanding and knowledge the last thing you you should do is 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 go on a preachy rant because that's really what gets people frustrated and I think that will throw people off rather than just saying you know um, just think about this this is just something to think about you know. Whether yeah. you agree with me or not, this is just, you know, 
I agree. Yeah. And I, I, it's delivery, though. It's, it's how you sell something, you know. Like, that's really it, you know. And selling knowledge and selling experience, you know. But everybody, there's a lot of people that get up on their, you know, their their preachy high chair. And everybody seems to have an opinion about, you know, a certain something and based off of their own experiences and stuff. But, yeah. I think regardless, though, even 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 all that being said, it's, like, still regardless. It's, like, there's still, you know, like, a huge problem with it that, is becoming a lot more prevalent, at least to me in my, my life, like based on the things and people around me. But, uh, yeah, it just, yeah, I, I don't necessarily, I've only seen like two or three of her videos, but I just, for me, what's shocking is the comments. And then the, the most recent thing where she was open. Not shocked like, though. Are you, are you really shocked by people reacting like that? Uh, I'm, I mean, it's gross, but it, I wouldn't, you, are you shocked by it? Cause I'm not, I, I'd probably expect that, you know? I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not fully shocked by it. Like I, I know there's shit talkers. I, I know that, I know that that exists in the world and in, in most cultures like already that, that women aren't necessarily, uh, you know, on the, on the same level as, as men, like especially in, in other parts of the world, but you know, even here, it's like, well, it's getting better I'm, here though. I've noticed, you know, but it's still yeah, there. I mean, you know, always, I have to, always, my, you know, my wife has to deal with certain things or, you know, just in general, it's, it's still, it's still a fight. You know, if you put yourself in there, in, in somebody else's shoes that are dealing with something uh, that sucks, it just sucks, you know, and, and hopefully yeah. you get aware of it and try to be aware of, you know, not being a part of that, you know, and just, Maybe even this conversation could maybe give somebody enlightenment to be like, not to be a fucking cunt, you know? <laughs> yeah, if you're going to be a cunt, like, just stop it, you know? Like, don't do that. <laughs> or I'll just get some hate mail or something. But, well, I don't give a shit, uh, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I don't care. But yeah. it just, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an ongoing sort of, you know, evolution and, and battle and everything. But it's just it's not something that I ever thought about. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm really, I guess I'm surprised that at, at, at how things are, are handled or, or what seems to be acceptable as a result of all this, like yeah. the act, the behavior of people like online and things like, it's just, you know, there was like a kid who joked about shooting up a school and he gets arrested. Um, and yeah. then, but, but apparently joking about raping and, killing someone you don't it's just i don't know it's, yeah it's it's a question it's like how like how why is that okay and then you know i don't know where every day there's yeah every day it seems like there's lots of injustice that occurs you know and i guess oh, yeah. it's this i guess like, it's just like you know at what level you know is there was like this one really horrible thing i saw the other like last week and i was like all right that's enough internet for me uh, I'm shutting the internet away from me because I'm so sensitive to these things. But it's like this some crazy bitch like uh, introduced or brought this like autistic kid to this party, and then this guy is beating the shit out of him uh, just because. And they, I'm glad uh, apparently they got arrested, but it's just like shit like that. I, I, mean, I stop, I stop watching the news in general. I try not to pay attention to anything. I think it was just on somebody's facebook post or something like you know hey check this out spread the news this is fucked up you know some people need to have some justice here this is you know it's just it was just really disgusting though it was just i don't know the thing that's really challenging for me too is like it's hard to judge you know like i wasn't in that situation maybe that kid was a total asshole and like 
<laughs> was just, you know, I don't know if anything warrants the beatdown he was getting, but maybe he was threatening this guy's girlfriend or, you know, I don't know, you know? So it's really challenging to sit there as, of, as an observer. It's hard to believe a kid. Well, I don't, yeah. You never know, though, right? You know, you never know because I've met kids that are total assholes, you know? So, but I would never punch them in like that, you know? So it's just, it's within, in that, that kid that, was punching him might have been just beat up, and that's his language of understanding how to like say, "Hey, fuck you, I hate you." Oh, yeah. it was another. It was another kid that. that yeah, it was like. Oh, I thought it was like an adult. No, no, like, I, I think it was an adult. older kid. I think it was like you know a grade up or something. But he was like, if you see the video, he's like kneeing him in the head. The kid's like crouched in the corner of this room, and he's like kneeing him and punching him, and it's like super, super gross. And the kid's screaming like "stop," and he's he's obviously, you know, like Why the scared. Hell? I question more uh, the and this is people a around topic. him and stuff, you know. The what? The people around. Well, the guy fucking videotaping it. Yeah, like, exactly. What, yeah. What are you doing? Like, I wouldn't. I would never stand around and, you know, let that kind of thing happen. But. Uh, but by videotaping it, actually expose the person to you know. True. So, yeah, <laughs> it's so tricky. But it's still like. Uh, it's like there was that guy I remember this shit happens all the time where like someone gets shot or stabbed and people just walk by and take pictures with their camera phone instead of helping them and it's like yeah that you know that kind of thing where's your heart at people you know like where's your decency you know it's just weird and that's the thing is is you got to be cautious of how you judge though that's at least what I feel is like I can't I got to be very careful of, of judging people because I'm not in that situation. It could be in a really shitty neighborhood and a shitty city and like they deal with this shit all the time. You know, I don't know. And whether that makes it right or not, I don't think so, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I just find that some of the responses from people, I guess I just can't empathize with because I, I feel like I wouldn't do those things or, or, you know, I wouldn't say certain things. So it's like, sure. I, I can't I can't understand why I mean I can understand why people are like that but I just I'm kind of I'm, I guess I'm still surprised because it's like really like I'm just sort of, <laughs> that's where I come from I was like really you're you're gonna say that on like an open forum or or like that's how you're gonna present yourself like um, but I don't know yeah it's super gross man this podcast got serious. Yeah, we kind of went off on like a huge tangent. I, like. I don't know what we were it was military stuff. to talk about. Sorry, that no, was, yeah, it was my fault for deterring. Well, it's just you know it's something of interest because yeah, and I and, and I brought up the whole emotional factor because that's really where it gets into you know so you know and we talked about nine eleven so it's just heavy stuff you know so but yeah sorry I didn't mean to take it into that dark realm yeah. so but that's it's also part of what inspires. It's the emotional part of that, and that's something that I think that this podcast can provide to people is is beyond hey, like what kind of brush do you use or you know these techniques and stuff because sometimes that can be repetitive. I also want to know who you are as a person, what makes you function, and why you know and you can't it's really challenging at least for me to read an interview or to listen to another podcast. sometimes podcasts are great, but not every time that this kind of information is extracted, you know people's perspectives and point of view. So I just think it's a good device, you know? 
Did we touch on any of the uh, community questions at all, or did we just totally forget? No, about I think them? we did a great job. I think we hit it right in the beginning. Actually, it was mostly it was about you know your thoughts on photo bashing, and um, mm-hmm. some people were asking like what what are some of your influences? Like your are you into like what films are you into, and what like do you watch like things like anime and stuff or music and stuff? So general like you know what's what's your favorite color and shit like that. So okay, oh, I love any Roger Deakins uh, film. That he's done cinematography. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't actually watch a lot of anime. I play a lot of video games though, and I watch a lot of '80s movies. Yeah, what are some of your favorite '80s movies? Because I love those too. Uh, any, anything from like Tough Turf with James Spader oh, to wow. like. To like Army of One with Dolph Lundgren, or uh, there's all the obvious ones like Terminator and the and first like the one, classics right? and stuff. Oh yeah, the yeah. first one's the best. <laughs> That's funny. A lot of people love the second one. I I love the first one too. The second yeah. one was almost like a kids movie. Well, it's cartoon, like an rated yeah. kids movie. Like it just it's like right when that song came out, like ah. As a kid, I was like, oh, it's amazing. But now when I rewatched it, yeah, Terminator. It's an awesome kids movie. Don't get me wrong. It's just. It's just not. It's just not as '80s as Terminator. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I could go on for another two hours about '80s movies. Um, Have you seen War War Games? Have you seen that? No, but I I want to. Really, you should check it out. I think you'd like it. I I really enjoyed it. I was there's something about '80s films that the new films don't have, and I think it's like the imperfection. That's what I love about the 80s films. And I think it's a nostalgia thing. But, you know, for example, like the film Explorers. That's an 80s film, right? Explorers has Explorers. a... Let me see. Who's in that? Got to do some homework. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, it's 1985. It had um, Ethan Hawke is in it. Here, it's... it's and I was talking oh, about shit. Okay. <laughs> right, old yeah. school, like old school, like it's a classic film. It's, it's like a kid's I, movie. I was, I was two years old when this film came out. Um, Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Ethan Hawke. It's, it's cool. And in, in this film, and I was talking about with my friend, Anthony, we're dissecting why we liked it. But one of the, one of the kid's parents is a fucking alcoholic and he doesn't want to go home because his dad like beat him. And these are, it's like weird. You, we don't necessarily get that in, the polishness of Hollywood, it seems necessarily, and, and I'm not trying to generalize because, but I'm just saying the general, like big hitting, important are like kind of popular films, you know. And this wasn't necessarily a big hitting popular film at the time. It was pretty big, I think, but it wasn't like a huge. It's not like necessarily. Maybe it's a cult classic. I don't know. Who am I to judge that? But um, but the the imperfection, like that, that'd be kind of hard to slip through into a a children's story now, you know into a children's film basically and yeah most yeah most kids movies don't have that nowadays i feel no they don't and 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 i and i guess that's fine you know but i just that's just something that um within the older films i just appreciate you know i don't know it's just interesting but yeah i I like a lot of 80s or early 90s films as well i like just a lot of good stuff though like there's a lot of really great current films I just re- yeah. rewatched uh, the film Primer. What a fucking trip, man. It kind of falls apart for me, obviously, towards the end there. There's some weird shit that happens, but have you ever seen that? No, who's in that? Oh, it's, uh, well, it's this guy. He made this film. Uh, I think his name's Shane uh, Primer. 
Primer film. Um, let's see it. What's his name? He like wrote it and directed it and acted in it. Shane Carruth, I guess I'm probably fucking his last name up, but um, he made it on seven thousand dollars. Check it out. It's on Netflix. It's about okay. time travel. Uh, it's really interesting. There's some fucking awesome bits and scenes in there that I really love. Um, and the guy, the, the sh- uh, Shane, is a, apparently, from what I've heard from people that know him or in his interviews, he's a, a very intellectual, very smart person. He just released another film called Upstream Color, which I really enjoyed as well. I started to watch that, actually. I didn't, I didn't make it through the whole thing. I got like halfway through it, I think. And yeah. then I kind of just couldn't finish it but it was his films have that effect i think on certain things you know you got to be really like willing to engage in it yeah i think i've watched it a bad time which happens where i start to watch a movie and i'm like oh this is not i'm not in the mood for this right now absolutely that's good to recognize that too it's not necessarily the film it's just bad timing of digestion or whatever consumption you know so but, I have I have that with all movies where I'm like, am I like I'll I'll kind of lay out a few movies and I'm like, what am I gonna watch? <laughs> Watching all, something and be like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to finish this. I want to watch this other movie. I do that all the time. Yeah, I'm really bad like that, and I think that just comes from like the iPod Shuffle generation stuff too. It's just like yeah, yeah. But there's sometimes I'll be just drawing and then I'll put the thing on like random, and then the most awesome song that i haven't heard in forever hits me and i'm like ah this is perfect it's exactly what i needed and sometimes i lack that spontaneity when i'm looking for something because i'm wanting to have that like experience so sometimes it's nice at least for me when i consume things is just to kind of randomly go through it and just put on something randomly so that's like i haven't seen primer in a long time and so i just rewatched it and i was like oh it got me really inspired to continue finish writing my films and get kind of get going because the guy made it on seven grand. Watch it. I don't think you'll you would have thought it's made. The guy did it on seven grand. It's pretty nice. damn impressive. On that alone, it's pretty impressive, and and just the the concept and the ideas and some of the scenes and it's just I don't know. There's some really iconic things that happen there. So, but yeah, if, back to your point about where you kind of the, the shuffle generation thing. I find that I'll either need to constantly switch it up or I'll find one thing and I will watch or listen to that until I'm absolutely <laughs> sick of it. <laughs> so I'll find one song. I'll, I'll, there's like a song in a trailer. I'm like, what's that song? Yeah. And I'll put it on and I listen to it for like a week straight at work. It's just on repeat. Yeah. I'm gross like that too. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Well, I think maybe it's just trying to get stuck in that emotion and just staying there. Right. Isn't that it? Yeah. It's just, it, it has a certain, I guess quality to it that you resonate with at that moment in time and then you kind of just you play it out and then it'll get to a point where I'm like all right I never need need, need or want to listen to this song again. Yeah. But it's yeah. an awesome song and I loved it for that like 2 weeks and then I'm done like but I yeah. don't know. I have the same thing. I I think that's just perhaps that's just like creating content and emotion and you're just trying to live in that emotion you know and just let mm-hmm. it follow through are there some is there some music that is really big to you right now is there like a band or a certain composer or something that you're really into i pretty much listen solely to instrumental music and 80s music i'll listen to 80s pop music <laughs> that's like the only lyrical music i'll listen to but then uh all my like painting music and uh 
stuff at work is mostly instrumental. Whether it's like movie composers, like uh, let me just open up. How about like Boards of Canada and stuff like that? I was really into Boards of Canada, but I, they're one of the bands that I like totally listened. Uh, burnt them out. I burnt them out. But all I of do their like, albums, they have a lot of albums. Though. In college, they were like all I listened to. It was like okay. Massive Attack, Boards of Canada. You know. Yeah. Uh, How about Bonobo? Or, Bonobo. Yeah. Uh, Air. Uh, God, I love Air. So good. <clears throat> a lot of guys. Uh, there's currently, let's think for. For instrumental stuff, Ben Lucas Boyson. Oh, yeah. He is amazing. He's awesome. Yeah, he's doing the score on this short film that I'm helping out with, or I was, called oh, Sundays. No way. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, he's he's on Facebook, too. I've been really trying to get him on the podcast. He's, he's, he's awesome. God, he's he, he, that feel, man. He's got that feel down. It's like, he's, uh, one of those, he's one of those composers where, like, he's, I guess he's new because he doesn't seem to have a ton of library. Uh, but. I'm always like keeping an eye out for him because he's got he's got the Gravity album and he's got the the Mother Nature soundtrack, oh, which so is the best. Uh, at least those are the two that I found on Spotify. But uh, yeah, yeah, his Mother Nature soundtrack is amazing. And then Thomas Newman is always good for me. Yeah, American Beauty soundtrack. Oh man, I like I like the Salt and Sea and Road to Perdition. That's really great too. Ah, oh, those are both really uh, great. You know who you might like. What, who is it? The track One Red Hair from oh. Salt Sea is like amazing. It's super good. Yeah. yeah. His his work with American Beauty was just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. John you, Hopkins. Oh, mm, sorry. Go ahead, yeah. John Hopkins oh, John, is great. John Hopkins is great. I think he did the Monsters uh soundtrack. How about um Cliff Martinez? I think yeah. I love Cliff Martinez. He's just phenomenal, yeah. right? His shit for Solaris, like oh god, just so Solaris. good. <laughs> Solaris soundtrack was like a good two years of my life. And <laughs> That's then, good to meet another Solaris fan then, because not a lot of people <laughs> like that film. It's one of my favorite sci-fis. I don't know if you like the film. I love the film. Me too. It's one they, of my favorites. They actually filmed it at Otis. His house is the fine arts building at Otis. Oh, really? So I watched it when I was going there, and I'm like, whoa, that's, uh, that's, that's a fine art building. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, Soderbergh nailed it with the... And that's actually one of George Clooney's best acting scenes i think that and i also love his film huh michael clayton have you seen that michael clayton's fucking awesome that's a wonderful film i love that film uh there's also his recent film it's not recent but um it's the one where he's in the the descendants yeah i haven't Ah, seen that i love that well i grew up in hawaii so it's like it brings me back to home but it's just god it's really great i really love that film it's one of my favorites from the past couple of years, but he just—he's a great actor. Like people don't take him seriously, I think, or disregard him because of the ER thing and a couple other things. But he's a great actor. That's right. Yeah, I forgot he was in the ER. He's so good that he surpassed that for me, though. And when I watched <laughs> Solaris and just the overall arc and the mood, and I listen—I love it so much. I listen to the commentary many times, and it has uh, um, ah, frick, what James Cameron was the executive producer, and he's just. I love the conversation and the energy between him and Soderbergh, and there's just like there's just a, tons of respect from the mm-hmm. both of them. But there's a lot of respect from Cameron, uh, and it's just crazy to hear a guy as powerful as Cameron just kind of just like in awe of this guy's talent and the way he con- conveys scenes and talks and his restraint. And this is I don't know if I'm just I nerd out about that shit, but 
one of the recent composers that I fucking love to death is there's this show called Utopia, and the guy named Cristobal, I think is his name, uh, he does the score for for uh, Utopia. I think you would really love it. It's very different. Cristobal? Cristobal. Yeah, I'll send you a link. Uh, so Utopia soundtrack. Utopia soundtrack. It's just so, so good. Cristobal... I'm going to fuck his name oh, up. Cristobal uh, Tapia de Vere? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah. Have to, I'll have to check this out. I'm always on the lookout for new... Uh, oh, you can thank me later. I just sent you a link to it. And, nice. if you, and if you get a chance, watch the show, because I couldn't recommend uh, enough people to watch the show. It's this, just so good. This isn't the dinosaur... No. What is, what <laughs> There's no dinosaurs of? in it. No, this one's fucking crazy. It's about like conspiracy theories and and uh, like viruses and just like um, global population control and just, it's just super fucked. But it's it's so well done. And you're gonna shit yourself because the cinematography and the color correction. It's just like oh, it's just it's awesome. Oh, it's just on another level. It's on a whole another level. It's it's just really amazing. The the UK. Uh, they really got it going on with their shows. They really understand how to make some great entertainment. It's just phenomenal. Everybody that's a part of like Black Mirror and Utopia, like everybody that's a part of that team, is like my hats off to you, thumbs up because I really love it and it's just amazing. I'd really love to get Cristobal on the podcast as well because I just really, f- I think he's a Brazilian too. I'm I'm just guessing I, that's what somebody might have said on like a forum or something, but yeah, just just really awesome. I think you really enjoy it. Has been one I've been listening to a lot recently. You uh, have you heard the Prisoners soundtrack? Uh, yes, know? and the you Enemy soundtrack to... is even better. I think. Have you heard? I, it? I have to see that. I've been that movie, and uh, it might have been that and the Rover actually that I was waiting to see. But yes. I ended up seeing the Rover and then not Enemy in theaters. But I want to see Enemy, and I yeah, I bet the soundtrack's awesome. Did you like the Rover? It's interesting. I I went to see it with a bunch of people who hated it. <laughs> so many but people the hate more, the movies I love. <laughs> yeah, the more... And I kind of came out of it underwhelmed, and I was like, yeah, it wasn't very good. But the more I thought about it, like the following week, I was like, you know what? I actually love that movie. And I think I only didn't enjoy it. it was because everyone around me was like crawling in their skin. Yeah. Because uh, it's very slow and very, you know, it's not... it's not the most uh, I guess compelling narrative but what I the more I thought about it the more I was like you know what I really liked how they handled the character uh, uh, the Pattinson's character and obviously all the cinematography was top notch oh cinematography looked great the score was bizarre at times. I thought there was actually like a malfunction in the theater <laughs> because like pop music would randomly come in and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then <laughs> I'd realized, you know, like it fit in somehow, but, um, I love that. Yeah. I actually, I actually really liked the rover. Um, the, it's, what? the guy that did the score for the place beyond the pines did a little bit of that too. Oh, you, Mike Patton. He, yeah, was Patton it? would do. Yeah, yeah, Mike Patton would do some really cool stuff. That piano line uh, was just stuck in my head for months after. I think the score really pulled me through that film. Music is was... is, is, is is you know eighty percent of a film for me. Usually, <laughs> it's like you know with Hans Zimmer combined with with Roger Deakins. You know, Christopher Nolan could write a a, a film about 
cats drinking milk and i'd be like ah oh, it's so good <laughs> <laughs> you could really fuck with people's emotions it's just yeah i think you'll like enemy and another film that i saw that i really loved to score was uh, under the skin which a lot of people hated that film too it's just another one of those films that i think that if you're it's just it it, it really questions and, and pushes a lot of the uh i guess the norm like the norms that you should experience within films you know like there's no like happy resolve and there's there's not like mm. the normal structure but i like that though personally but that's because i love film so much so i understand the language i guess a little bit more rather than just wanting to be entertained and, and close the book you know so, yeah there's I, different kinds of uh yeah different kinds of narrative you know it doesn't have to be typical kind of popcorn movie sure those are great too i love those i love those i mean i'm a huge fan of those kind of silly films as well but uh sometimes i love the weird weird ones because it really gets my mind thinking and 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 especially writing films and and thinking about them and and thinking about them outside of what i know of them to be and seeing people that are pushing them you know the the russian dudes from way back when were pushing this shit way beyond any of the stuff that I find to be weird now. So, or even the French guys and stuff, you know, like there's just, there's a lot of crazy shit out there. There's people generating really weird ideas and really weird things, you know? But, yeah. I, uh, do you like Terrence Malick films? I, I like some and I don't like some of them. And I think, I think it's all about my mood. I've been waiting. Like, I think I have that film. Uh, what's the one with Brad Pitt and, Sean, guy. true life. I've been waiting to watch that for years now. I just haven't been w- ready for it. Mm. So it's like that's that's um, like my favorite movie that I've seen in the past like ten years, probably. Really? That's, that's, so you must have been ready for it. Maybe ten years is too too much time. Yeah, that's a, that's Road, a to lot Perdition, of time. Road to Perdition is actually like one of the best movies. I that's think a good film seen. too. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's been a lot of great films in the past ten years. Yeah, but true life. When I saw that, I was just like, this is, I felt like I watched like my life flash before my eyes or something. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Well, um, well, yeah. I like his stuff. There's that one where it's the Native American one. I can't remember. New World? I like that a lot. Yeah, that it, was good. There was weird moments and there's, uh, there's some interesting things. Didn't he do the Jesse James one as well? I don't think so. No, the that was one... somebody else, I think. I was thinking yeah, he did to the wonder. Yeah, to the wonder he... as well. Yeah, I think he did Badlands. Yes, that one as well. I like uh, the thing I learned learned about him is is that he'll go a while without making something, so he can develop yeah. himself, and he just makes the film that he wants to make without sacrificing it. One of my favorite films is There Will Be Blood, and that's one of those films mm. that. Uh, it's just perfect for me. It's like such a perfect film. It's just, I wouldn't change a thing about it. I couldn't even think about how to change something about it. But the thing I love is that the way that he went about going to the studios and it's like, this is the film I'm going to make. I'm not going to change anything about it. This is, this is what it has to be. It's going to be this, it's going to be this long and this is what it's going to have to, you know, and I need this, this and that. And I just, I really admire um, the guy with, the balls to do that you know he's a younger guy and he's just you know it's just the master was really great too so yeah. i really like the master yeah yeah and i love that score uh, johnny greenwood the guitar mm-hmm. player from radiohead he does really great scores as well yeah i freaking love a good score man <laughs> i get hooked it's, on it i'll send you a link to one of the most one of the re- this recent track that i'm just 
I've listened to it like a hundred times. I'm not joking. It's like on the hundred times on my iTunes thing. It's just it's just filled with filled with with emotion and mood. I um there was a uh, I definitely I definitely want to hear that because I'm I do the same the same exact thing with with music. But the song for the the Rover trailer, uh, it was by Soul Seppi, and it was called Enter One. Mm. And I was obviously pumped for the movie, so I watched the trailer a bunch. But once I found out what the name of the song was, um, I just watched it. Like, or I listened to that like for two weeks, and I'd like fall asleep to it and stuff. It was awesome. Yeah, those are the best, man. I really love a great track like that, and we're so blessed to get some of those, you know, every once in a while. And it really, for me, it just influences my my art tremendously. When I'm writing, I'll put on like a like like a Cliff Martinez track and I just really get in the mood and then it just it all comes out of me because he's giving me all that energy. He's literally yeah. giving me the emotion that I want, you know. Just like, yeah, I just got the link. It's awesome. I'm going to check this out tonight too because I just love a really great uh engineer track, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just like some scores they really hit it perfectly. I was addicted to the uh Hans Zimmer track uh for the Inception, like that album that that Yeah. That was like on heavy repeat for months for me. Um, the track uh, "Old one, Souls" or "Old Souls" is great favorite. too. You know, the thing that I thought was interesting is he <clears throat> he combined a lot of the energy that I or the sensation that I got from "Ghost in the Shell," the original anime, because that actually has an amazing score. If you ever listen to it closely, uh, he which, has which movie? "Ghost in the Shell" the anime. Oh yeah. If you ever watched, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. There's it's like. Been- the original a while but i watched after uh after you came out with your your intro i, I rewatched homage oh yeah which was fucking amazing by the way Thank they you. better be if they ever make that into a live action they better be calling you guys <laughs> they're doing it right now and there's no there's none of that but that's fine i just it never really was supposed to be about that so but uh, no <clears throat> no it's awesome it's awesome that um yeah, no, that score is just fucking awesome. It's so good. And uh, I felt that he really found the soul of that score and then Blade Runner and like Cliff Martinez's stuff and then his own thing and just combined it and just made this really amazing piece. It's just, yeah, it was on another level of just awesomeness. So that Inception score is just like, ah, oh, I made that movie. <laughs> like it, yeah. yeah, I rewatched it. I watched it many times and I'd rewatch it as a different viewer each time. And I liked the I liked my original view of it the most. Where I was in the theater and I was just like, "Oh, it's a beautiful shot. Oh, this music's so good. I I don't even know what goes on. I don't even give a shit." I'm like, "Ah, oh, it's so cool." Ah, uh. <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite experience. But when I went back to watch it, like critiquing the script or, you know, you know, my hats off to that entire team. That must have been like the such a challenge to to pull that off, and they did a wonderful job. You know, so. But yeah, yeah, no film's perfect, especially when you have to make it on that level. It's just there's so many sacrifices that you, you must make in order for it to, to get through, you know, when you're spending millions and millions of dollars, you know. I can't imagine such, the pressure. Yeah, yeah. I uh, That's got to be a lot, especially to maintain that sort of creative, um, like, focus when, when there's so much at stake financially yeah. and... and with especially with probably dealing with a ton of egos as well. Yeah. Um which is like a huge part of it. That's something that like 
I don't know that can actually be taught through any sort of school or Gumroad videos is, uh, <laughs> dealing with people's egos, and that's like easily ninety percent of it. Oh yeah. The other ten percent is the art part of it, and the other ninety percent is just learning how to like you know work with people, especially on like you know whether it's a one a two man team or a two hundred man team. It's it's going to be like that's going to be the thing that determines like you know what kind of content you're making which is you know which is why i thought it was so cool that you and mache and uh uh everyone involved on on the the gets thing like pulled it together because it seemed like everyone was like on the same page which i feel like doesn't happen as often as it as you know you'd like it to but yeah it was it was a challenge <laughs> yeah it was a challenge it was really interesting to pull it off and actually have everybody I don't know. Share the same common goal is is challenging, and it wasn't. And everybody had their own intentions and stuff, and it was it was it was a challenge, you know. But I think that's how anything is, you know. So, but yeah, like leading a leading a ship of visionaries and stuff is not easy. My hats off to anybody that can. And I I, I always go back to Alien as a reference, you know. It's like, geez, like what an amazing <laughs> what an amazing accomplishment. So, yeah. Sorry that outburst of little sound from my headphones. If you heard that, I was trying to send you another track, but it was an ad and it was really loud. <laughs> Which one um, is this? Throwing snow. It's yeah, it's a uh, a track that was in in used in this trailer for this new movie coming out called. Uh, what are they called? I think it's the. Let's see if I can find. Throwing it. snow, avarice. That was yeah. Apple.com slash trailers. I think it's the guest. Mm. I think I heard about that or something came up from somebody about that. It's a film. Yeah, uh, I think it's the guest. Now I can't find this stupid thing on <laughs> iTunes trailer, but I know it's... It's going to haunt you forever. Yeah, but that was the, the, the song in the trailer for that, and that was a lot of... Uh, yeah, the guest. Um, it's used in that trailer, but I really like that song as well. Trailer, I love trailers. I don't know about you, but if they're, almost, good, if they're done well, yeah. Yeah, some people hate trailers, but I love them. I could I could watch trailers all day. I like trailers that don't show you the fucking film. <laughs> yes. When they yeah. show me Act One, Two, and Three, I was like, "Fuck you! <laughs> I'm not watching that film just because you fucked up." <laughs> but when they show yeah. me, when they get me curious. I'm like, "Yes, all right, this is great." Yeah, yeah. I've realized like my favorite thing, I think, is just getting excited. Yeah, of course. Um, and Curious. trailers, trailers do that for me. Yeah, I, like I'll watch a trailer and I'm just like, even if it's not the best movie or if it doesn't turn out to be the best movie, like, and the trailer was awesome and got me excited. I'm like, yes, I love Prometheus. it. Prometheus. I mean, it was like a fucking work of art. Those trailers and the teasers and stuff, the build up. It was. It was yeah. It was a masterful craft. It was beautiful. It was like, dude, oh my god, this is gonna be fucking amazing. Like, I lost my shit. Yeah, the ah, oh, the screaming thing, and all. I'm like, yes, yeah, really Scott's back. Oh my god, come on, it was like the most awesome shit that's on the internet. It was like, I, I, I lost my shit. I was, I could not wait. You know. Yeah. Did you Did you enjoy Prometheus? I no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm I don't know anyone honest about it. You know, like. It's challenging, yeah. you know. You're playing with Alien, really. You're playing with that universe. You better come to bat, you know. And it's challenging. I can't imagine the stress that 
somebody at Ridley Scott's level. I have the most respect for that guy's creative career. It's just, he's a fucking phenom. He's a beast. I'm not trying to say anything or taking away anything away from anybody in that project. I just think that it's not easy to make a film, and it's not easy to make a film off a franchise that's a masterpiece. You just you can't, you can't, you know. I just think it's very challenging. I think uh, even listening to the commentary, I listened to a little bit of it, but friends of mine that have studied it and, and really got into it, they're like, you know, even Ridley Scott had a lot of battles with the studio getting what he needed that he felt he needed for the story and for the film itself. I I think the the biggest problems I had for it and with most people was just there was errors and huge flaws in the story, you know, and you gotta be yeah, cautious still... with that stuff, you know. It's just just a lot of just a lot of sloppy writing, I think, you know. But, you know, I don't want to talk well, shit on people. It's just it's just my opinion. I was like, gonna say who, I, who might have say anything, you know? <laughs> I actually enjoyed it, but I I don't think I had as much uh I mean I loved Alien. I, I watched I definitely watched Alien and Aliens growing up, but I guess I still, I mean, there were, there were, I guess I had some issues with the story as well, but I I still enjoyed it. But a lot of people that I was with came out of it and they were just like, man, what a disappointment. And I was like, I don't know. I was, you know, visually it was amazing. And sure. Visually it's really beautiful. Yeah. I own it just for like the opening scene and then. Oh yeah. The Iceland shit is awesome. Yeah. It's just, I'll put that on and then you know watch uh something like another scene from a different movie and i I do that now i just watch scenes <laughs> yeah no i i think that to go back on prometheus i think there's definitely it has some strong suits and so when i articulate it as an experience i think my biggest complaint against movies is when the story has such a strong error that it, it reminds me that i'm watching a movie that's when it really upsets me. When I watch Indiana Jones, for example, or like, let's take back. Okay, I went and took my daughter to see Jurassic Park in the theater, like mm-hmm. with the the huge screen and all that shit. There's tons of continuity issues in that film, but it's fun as fuck. And I go into and I go into watching uh, Jurassic Park, and I'm enjoying that experience. And it's it's not it's not saying it's not pushing me out of the world basically. <laughs> and I feel like. Films that do that, I feel that's really where I have a I have a problem with it, basically. And um, but you know, then again, I watched films like Under the Skin. I'm completely enthralled and into it and engaged. I think you should definitely watch that. Oh wait, it had this Scarlett Johansson in it. Wait, what was the movie that you said you really liked that we were talking about earlier? Was that Under Enemy. the Skin or was Enemy? Was well, I don't know if I really liked. I just think it was really interesting. Under no, the, the other one by the guy who did. Uh... Might have been Primer. I forget. It, oh, there was uh, a, Upstream Color. Yeah. Upstream. Okay, so yeah. that was the movie. I haven't seen Under the Skin, but for a second I thought you were talking about that movie earlier, and I was totally mis misunderstanding what movie we were talking about. But no, we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You should watch that though. I think I think if anything visually, there's a couple scenes in there that'll like it'll get you all pumped up on it because there's some really beautiful nice. there's some beautiful scenes. It's very interesting. Very interesting filmmaking, but that's cool that you like Prometheus. I think that it's for it's just a different experience for different people, and I had expectations. That's probably the biggest error I had as a viewer, you know. So, and now, are, now he's going to be doing Blade Runner, so it's just like wow, you know, like here we go again. This is going to be very, <laughs> cha- you know, it's very challenging. And my hats off to him. If I had a chance to work on it, I'd jump on there that chance in a in a heartbeat. And I know it's going to be challenging, you know. I just. You just never know, hope, you know. So, I oh. hope they cast uh, 
Fastbender or something for sure. I think Blade he, Runner. Sure, you will. Be, yeah. I like Fastbender. He's like one of the go-to guys. I think for me, if I was to cast a movie, but Blade Runner, he'd actually, I think, fit pretty well visually, at least in line with uh, how Harrison Ford looked and how he could look and stuff. He could be that robot kind of thing. He did it in Prometheus. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I'm like, hey, are you talking about Prometheus? Yeah, <laughs> no, he could be. He he would. I think he would be fit in that universe really well. I'm sure he will. I'm I'm sure that um, they probably have a good re- working relationship, you know, and stuff. And he really carried Prometheus for me. If anybody, if there's any a character that did, so. But he's just a really great actor, though. He's, he's just. Yeah. Kind of, kind of lives that. He carries that weight. He's kind of like Christian Bale for me, kind of too. Like, really, Bale's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Bale's fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I just recently watched a film called uh, Out of the Furnace. Have you seen that? I bought it on iTunes or rented it, and I haven't watched it yet. But I do intend yeah. to. Yeah, I wasn't. I was. I wasn't super pumped on it, but I'm just curious. Maybe you let me know what you think. So, but yeah, it's it's. it's you know, I sometimes I think like, damn, if if Bale wasn't in this, I wonder what would happen. You know, because so, mm. I'm just so he's just such an engaging actor. He's just on that next level. He's been around for such a long time. I listened to the the Nerdist podcast with Tom Cruise, and that was crazy because Tom Cruise has been around for such a long time, and he's been doing he's been acting for so long. I mean, he's worked, if you really think about his career, he's like worked on films with like Stanley Kubrick, you know, all the way to yeah. like. Uh, What's that one eight like, from from cocktail to eyes wide shut? Yeah, to like Top Gun <laughs> and shit, you know, and then all the way his recent film, which is like Edge of Tomorrow. I'm just talking about like you know big American actors and stuff, and just he's also one of those interesting characters that I don't know when you hear those the interview if you ever get a chance to listen to the interview with him. It's a very interesting, very cool. He's a, seems like a very personable, incredibly passionate, and curious, hardworking individual. Uh, you can't help but like be a fan of him after that podcast. It's really cool. But yeah. And I, uh, the thing to go back on Christian Bale, I really, <laughs> that whole thing when he went ape shit on the Terminator set, like a lot of people uh, were like, Oh, what a dick. I'm like, no, I'm like, that makes me even like love him more because he's that, yeah. he's that extreme. He's, and he's doing it for the sake of my own entertainment. Like what a fucking awesome dude, <laughs> you know, just so I can be involved and get more into that world, you know, like that's fucking, yeah, yeah of course he's a, an, Maybe he's being an asshole, but he's probably under a crazy amount of stress, you know. So yeah, I actually just it's easy to judge. Found that, I found that to be extremely entertaining. So oh yeah, I love the the remix of the techno remix of that. Oh, it was amazing. The, the Family Guy thing where it's Peter asking him if he wants pie or something, <laughs> and then they have him that. screaming at him. Yeah, that's great. I didn't see that. It's fucking. It's like the South Park thing where they they're they're so witty and fast with their their episodes. They can just talk shit about like current weekly news and stuff it's it's really smart it's funny shit <laughs> let me send that to you actually dude it's getting pretty late we should probably yeah. r- wrap this baby up sorry we're just like sure. <laughs> we're having like a literal casual conversation so <laughs> yeah i'm but, sure uh, that people might have tuned out like <laughs> a while ago on us but sorry guys if there i mean i hopefully you guys watch uh, these films or are into these kind of things is there um is there anything that we might not have touched on that you wanted to make sure that somebody, you know, might, I don't know, I use sometimes I end with these things with like, if there are any kind of advice that you were given that you want to pass on or something that you've learned along your path that kind of helped you out, you know? Oh, geez. Um, Spotlight's on you, dude. 
And Mache said to say, our kids loving it. <laughs> you said that you know you would react to it. So. <laughs> oh, man. Um. I'm assuming that's some in- inside, like, Naughty Dog shit. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, as long as the kids love it. Um. <laughs> that's the advice. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. I can't. I mean, to some that kind of thing up in one thing. No, I don't know if I could. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. It might be too late. But I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all that's coming to mind is sort of like the things that you'd expect to hear. Like, oh, just you know, like, keep trying or love art and whatever. But no, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Just I wouldn't get too caught up. Back to the beginning of the podcast we are talking about the photo bashing and all that kind of stuff i would say don't just don't let other people just like other people's you know outlook on on art discourage you from creating your own art because i think no matter how you get there uh you know whatever technique or or sort of tool or method you use as long as you're as long as you're staying true to yourself and 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 you know, trying to create something that you, that you, I guess, believe in, then I don't think you can go wrong. Um, and don't, don't plagiarize, I guess, but maybe people think photo bashing is plagiarizing. So yeah, that's, that, that's a whole nother conversation, I guess, but well, we've uh, been trying to articulate it this podcast, but it's even so it's, <laughs> yeah, it gets really it's, complicated. It's uh, but just go and do it, you know, right? Just go fucking go work and make make shit happen, right? They were saying, yeah, just yeah, just just create, create, yeah, keep creating, and then if you if you if you uh, if you need, you know, depending on realize that you know you may learn differently than other people, so as long as you're as long as you feel like you're learning or you're gaining something, uh out of what you're doing, uh, regardless of what it is. I don't care if it's a gum road or if it's a four-year university or if it's you reading a book or, or doing a mentorship or something like that. It's like, you know, as long as you're learning and you're getting in your eyes better and, and, you know, feeling like you're getting something out of it, then I'd say it's a valid, a valid means of, of education. Yeah. So that's where I, that's where I stand on it. But. There you go. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I think that, yeah, in the action of just doing, yeah. So there you have it, kids and adults, men and women, (laughs) (laughs) children of all ages. Yeah. No, I think that it was good. And and I hope that, you know, if you're listening, that we maybe helped with some of the questions that were asked, you know, and (laughs) and, and touched on some of our, some of the things that we're both really into at this moment in time. And yeah, a little bit of insight into what it is to create these things, you know, so yeah, big thanks to John, and I will have a link to your site, and hopefully by the time maybe this podcast is up, you might have some of your sketches up there or something too. Just putting some pressure yeah. on you right now. <laughs> All right, uh, but uh, no, I I just want people to see it because I. Um, yeah, your whole trip to Greece and then all the sketchbook stuff. I was like, ah, oh, man, uh, I knew I really wanted to, ha- to have a chat with you and I wanted to talk to you on the podcast, but seeing your sketchbooks and stuff. And, and then we also talked about you making a book and yeah, I want to encourage yeah, that as well too. So yeah, it's more, it's more, I might even try and uh, release that through 
Gumroad or something as a PDF, but I more or less just want to, for myself, compile them all in one place so I, so in case my house burns down or something, I don't <laughs> lose all of them. Because it's kind of like a, in a sense, they're like a, you know, a journal because it's like all my, I, when I look at the sketches, it's like, oh, I remember this place and where I was at in my life and all that kind of stuff. So it's sort of just like a cool thing for me, but um people love yeah. sketchbooks though man yeah i think that there's a total market for it yeah i'd do a kickstarter i'll support that yeah i think i'll just i'll just fund it that's good <laughs> i'm gonna do it anyway hey like, let me tell you what to do man <laughs> I don't no. know. I'll, when i'm ready to do that i'll, I'll think about it. that's a ways off and yeah. i want to get a little bit more content so it's actually a substantial kind of collection of things but awesome well, let us know. I'm sure we're down to support you and help you out because it's what it's about. So, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. Absolutely. Um, Very welcome. I need to, we need to meet up sometime next time I come yeah. up to Mache and do some jujitsu with him. Well, maybe we'll bring you out and choke you out or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, roll. I'll roll with you guys. Dude, that'd be awesome. You should come and you should go and roll with him. He's yeah. trains quite a bit. So. Yeah. I miss him. I don't see him anymore, so maybe that's the only way I'll get to just throw your ball ball sweat on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Say courtesy of Ash. <laughs> awesome. On that note, I think that's the best note we could end on. So. All right. Smitch's <laughs> balls. Yeah, Smitch's balls and the kids are loving it. <laughs> awesome, awesome, man. Dude, yeah. thank you so much again. Um thank best you. of luck with everything. And just keep us posted on the news and we'll try to promote it and help you out and we'll have links to your work and hopefully most of the things that we talked about so people that are interested can check it out so there's a lot there's been a lot of fucking awesome stuff we talked about in this episode so yeah yeah stoked awesome. yeah two thumbs up all the way up to the clouds dude <laughs> thanks man yeah <laughs> killer man have a great night man you too cheers cheers